I, we've been reading about it, me and a couple of my friends, and it's... You know what? I have actively, just like the disease itself, I've stayed away from the news about it. Because I've, li- I've lived through the pig flu. The I SARS. Li- I lived through yeah. M1, A1. Uh, I'm work- a- I lived through the ACDC virus. All the stuff that yeah. they announce and are like, it's the end of the world. You know what? These doctors are smart people. Oh. Hey, update. Doctors are smart. <laughs> Welcome, boys and girls of the internet. You're tuned in right now because you have nothing better to do. You're just like us, stuck in your house. Everyone's a Twitch streamer now. Welcome to the best stream. We've been streaming before it became a cool thing for your teachers to do. We are the Dweebos Podcast. I'm your host, Zach, a.k.a. Dweebo, a.k.a. the quarantined one. We have two over here depending on what world you live in. Um, this is Kim Travis, oh, Travis, oh, Travis crap, re- reporting in from North Korea. There is no virus here. Yeah, they're pretty good, aren't they, over there? We've got it locked down. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming in from outer space. Uh, the world's looking great. Good news, corona hasn't reached us yet. Um, That's good. If you're really concerned about it, uh, catch a catch a you know a spaceship up the, the moon, Mars, you're good. Like, what would happen – to the coronavirus, like viruses in space. Does anybody know, like, the... Um, I'm reporting they from up here. They would mutate There's, rapidly. Yeah, really? heavy, heavy radiation, uh, no air at all. The fact that I'm breathing up here is actually quite quite beautiful. Yeah, Jacob, that, you look I, a little blue. <laughs> it's, I'm not feeling the greatest. Uh, losing, yeah. that, losing some air. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I think I want to first... Let's get the elephant out of the room. Last podcast... Perhaps I'll put a clip on this at the beginning or right now. Um, We were kind of unanimous in saying, this looks kind of spooky, but we went through the swine flu. We went through this. Boy, man, I've never been so wrong (laughs) in my entire life. Um, And it just, it just kind of, a a switch got flipped. I felt like I I even put a tweet when all this kind of like hit my, like started to, feel kind of spooky was the day we were all like hey this is what we're going to get through it we survived other stuff and then the next day all these articles started coming out I was like what's going on here and I put on Twitter I was like yesterday hey we were so good today and I put the last of us picture Joel and Ellie on there so man it just flipped really quick um it always does what so let's kind of back up and let's I, I mean probably people are kind of maybe tired of hearing about the coronavirus but what what when did it become a turning point for you like what what kind of struck like struck you as like uh oh we're screwed yeah uh, i mean travis you can go first i mean well i like getting personal let's talk about our lives a little bit boys <laughs> yeah i mean i i work i don't want to get too much into my work life but yeah. uh you know i work for a, a pretty large company and about three and a half four weeks ago my basically entire job changed and they said okay you're all of your time will go into focusing on this problem <laughs> and uh and then we started seeing just like how it would impact supply chain and different types of revenue and i said whoa this is not swine flu this is not you know so that was just, when you woke just, up was when your job oh yeah it was it was about a month ago and i think that it hit you know large businesses about a week and a half before it hit the general public so 
I, it kind of hit me, I think, a little bit earlier than it hit some of us and uh, some of our friends in terms of, whoa, this is pretty serious. You were kind of in uh, the beta. Yeah, I, I was in the beta. I was kind of, you know, you know, version 0. 0.8, version 0. 0.9. You're like, I'm testing it out. I was telling you guys, these features, you're not going <laughs> to believe it. And, you know, you guys are still memeing yeah, on it. Yeah, I felt it. like you were the first one to get, like, this is big. I was writing in the group chat. I said, this you, is not a joke. You were. And I still was like, uh, whatever. Like I haven't felt that way. Um, and personally for me, it was, I was, I was basically, so on my work, I was kind of like traveling out, um, to more like a rural part. And during that day I was kind of out and about, and I had like a meeting somewhere, uh, kind of like a voluntary kind of meeting thing I was involved with for work. And I was like, do I go to this? Are people still going to this? And that was when I was like starting to think like the wheels are starting to turn. And I was like, uh, what's happening here? So I go out, I'm out in like, Hey, Ohio's flat. We're in like farmland country stuff. And so I went out, um, for work for this, like out there for this, um, for my job. Mm. And I'm out there and our group chat is blowing up. It is, I think it was a Thursday, one of these Thursdays or whatever. And it was going nuts. And I'm like, because, like, schools started shutting down. Like, people I knew, like, working in school systems and stuff were like, hey, we're, like, shut down for, like, three weeks. Yeah. Like, that sounds I think significant. When you, when that you talk about like, a turning point, there was definitely that night where, like, Tom Hanks got it. NBA yep. canceled all their games. Yeah. School got canceled for three weeks. All mm-hmm. of that dropped in, like, a five-hour window. Yeah. That was when it was mainstream, for yeah. sure. Because I was, like – because I was still out and about at, like, stores and stuff during the day, and I was, like – reading that I was in that was one of my turning point I was like uh, I started to feel nervous and then when I was coming back so I was in the middle of like nowhere there was like it wasn't as deep like population where I was at and it's like as I was seeing chaos of suing I was like these are the smartest people on planet earth because they have like they're already social distance like they have a house and then your neighbor's house is a mile out you know what I mean like they're not many houses yeah. I came back to just packed grocery stores like on the way home in the city and stuff and it was like yeah well for i me, was I mean, also hyper aware because i had a flight scheduled for that tuesday it was oh, actually scheduled yeah. for the day when tom hanks uh got it oh, and God. uh like two weeks out i was like i don't know me and my wife were both supposed to fly somewhere i was like i don't know and she's yeah. like i'm a little nervous and then a week out i was like i don't know and then by four days out i was like telling my boss i was like we're not coming and uh, <laughs> yeah. and then my boss was like well, I'm going to go, and then by the time we got a couple of days out, she completely 180 you know? And yeah, it just, completely changed their mind. It just moves so fast. Moves so yeah, fast. And, and after that, it's been – I feel like it's calmed down maybe a tiny percentage, like on news and flurry of stuff, oh, but it's still yeah. pretty changing every day, Yeah, right? Like, it's still, like, talking with people from work and stuff, and it's like, what are we looking at here for, you know, expectations to reschedule certain stuff, and it's like – june july you know what i mean like i can't yeah. keep up and it's like uh worst case scenario is what we're kind of looking at i don't know i want to look at better case but i don't know well, i think on the back end a lot of people don't get the experiences but i worked in the trucking industry and like you guys saw the stores that were all emptied out like yeah it was insane and being on the other end of trapped in to fulfill that huge demand that the supply wasn't there um and it was kind of tough on transportation in general because at that point you're looking at a huge surplus of price. I mean, the price just completely went out and like went out of nowhere for cost of anything. 
and then have to refill, refill these stores just for them to need another five more orders. Um, I think it's really a good sign to show that we're not necessarily prepared if something completely flips on, on its head. Like yeah. nothing ever really is ever really prepared, but we were not. Like, a big influence us. on American commerce and, and business for a long time has been this concept of just-in-time supply. Yep. So you don't want something to arrive early because if it's sitting, it's wasted. Yep. So a lot of, and that's kind of goes back to lean business principles. So a lot of our supply chain and a lot of our businesses in general, they try to really have a good feel for exactly what they need, exactly when they need it. They don't want it a day early and they don't want it a day late. But as a result, if our entire economy is built on that, which it is, when you have something like this that is extremely unplanned and has a massive effect, all of a sudden you're looking at a situation where you don't have reserves. Well, you don't have also, reserve medical supplies. Yeah. You don't have reserve meat. You don't have reserve the things that toilet paper, yeah. the things people are going to go out and buy up a bunch of. Yeah. And that's something we're going to have to figure out coming out of this is what does a healthy reserve look like and who should have it? Like why is, I mean, why is Facebook coming out saying we're donating a, a million medical masks like why do you have a million medical masks why do you have the reserve why don't our hospitals have the reserve yeah well, the hospitals what... can't afford it but facebook can but why would mm -hmm. facebook ever invest in medical masks Do they just kind of see this coming because they're intelligent and they, like it's just strange it's extremely this, this weird this concept is completely out out there but you're exactly right um about a year and a half ago we had a customer reach out to us and what they, they were thinking outside the box um, they were a furniture company. They were really, really, really niche kind of thing because furniture only sells in two points of the year, beginning of the year and end of the year. That's it. It doesn't do much in between. Um, so knowing that they were like, Hey, we have such a huge demand of furniture and we cannot fulfill the stores as quickly as just to bring in a truckload. Cause I want you guys to think about something and I know we're a gaming podcast, but you know, this concept no, this is, is, so, relevant, this is so out there. Um, if you drive 600 miles on a truck, it's going to take about a day, about a day to get there. Um, so that day of lag time cost them like their revenue, they, their cost in the revenue was like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was insane mm -hmm. how much money they're getting cost. So the CEO came up, came in, he's like, Hey, we want to develop pool points. And what that is, is let's say they have four stores in Atlanta. They're going to buy a warehouse and fill that warehouse full of furniture. Yeah. And then when they need it, they just send a box truck over there, grab the furniture they need and bring it back. Yeah. It, it keeps revenue flowing. And what we do is we just keep taking trucks to that pool point. That pool point never runs out. That is exactly what Travis was talking about right there. And what's sad is we did not have that for anything we needed. Oh, but yeah, that makes sense. Furniture companies and other things that make no sense had that. Yep. And I, I just, it's weird. It's, it's weird how... Some companies got it that didn't need to get it. Yeah. And now the companies that did need to get it are like, well, crap, we don't have it. So yeah. it's definitely a trial and error type of thing and something I think we'll just learn from and hopefully- A startling number of companies run on a paycheck to paycheck mindset with their inventory. Mm. They get exactly what they need, they use it, it's just- Well, they don't, they don't anticipate an influx of demand. That's no. the issue. No one ever really does. They yeah. know their business pretty well when the demand is there and they can't fulfill it, that's when everyone hits the panic button. Yeah. That's been the scariest thing is like, as far as like my like job stuff has been affected. It just has. Um, yeah. But even that, like we're hanging in there, like me and my wife are hanging in there, whatever. But what I've told people is like, that's not the scary thing of like where I am affected. These corporations are on their knees after a week. Yeah. 
that's that has been my biggest worry in all of this aside from the pandemic killing all well, these people what, and like getting affected with it but like that has been actually number one has been like this is actually so fragile this is all like on the that is the volatility of, of the market though and that's why like i i recently just started dipping my foot in the stocks and seeing mm-hmm. the volatility get exposed the way it's <laughs> yeah. exposed uh, yeah very scary I, and, and, very and zach part of why that is the way it is is because if you are not the big domineering force in your industry you don't have the ability to just put aside tons yep. and tons of money sure. it has to go back into investing zach i mean if you had twenty thousand dollars just it was gifted to your business how much of that would just sit in the bank and how much of that would go into investing in your tool set and investing in things? Yeah. And maybe it's, it's, you know, it's one example, but you know, a lot of companies as they grow in revenue, they, they immediately funnel that into let's they add spin. new talent. Let's add smart people. Yeah. Let's yeah. add smart opportunity. I, but, let's invest. And, and so, I think maybe the thinking will change on that too. Yeah, I think it will. <laughs> I think, investing. I think that people are going to be a little more gun shy about how much for at least the next five years, yeah, I think I it's going to be a little shaky. Term, but even then, I think it's natural that people live up to what they make and sometimes live above that. And for companies, especially they spend what they anticipate to make. Like that's the yeah. mindset. They build their have. budgets based on their yeah. revenue. How, how yeah. funny is it that the, like some people in these corporations or businesses or they, there's this popular mindset of you need to live below your means and have a mercy yeah. fund. It's like <laughs> uh, walk the walk there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the same applies to people. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, people want to invest in themselves also. Right. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if you love music, you might want to buy a guitar because it brings yeah. happiness. You know, if you want, yeah. now the difference is, is people put money into things that don't generate revenue. These, <laughs> us three included with our video <laughs> games and stuff, we make $0 on our hobby, yeah. but we love it. But yeah. um, that's maybe the only difference. But yeah, it's businesses. The, the, the idea that the average common worker should be depositing 30% of their income into savings is ridiculous. But for some reason, it's like what's expected if you're going to buy a house or if you're going to do these other yeah. things. So I just overall, yeah. I mean, I want to express like just gratitude for people coming together and willing yeah. to you know, abide by what rules are put in front of them. Also on top of that, man, if you guys have been affected by this, I know us three personally have all been affected one way or yeah. another. Um, man, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to share my story. I'd love to talk about this because I think this is a different time. Being only 24 years old, I can tell you right now, I've never experienced anything like this. Yeah. Like, yeah. And being an adult yeah. in that sense. On top of that, I have a neighbor who is uh, very old, very, very old. And like the day when all the, when friggin' Tom Hanks, all the stuff was going on that or the day after, I saw him outside and um, he said, uh, he looked at me, he's like, hey, how's it going? I was like, hanging in there, man. How are you doing? He's like, good. And he sighed. He looked at me, he said, I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. And I told my wife, I was like, what a terrifying thing to hear from someone as old as a dinosaur. Like, this has never happened before. You don't know how to like, you you start going through history. You start going through history books. You're like, what does this compare to? And you hear about the uh, economic downfalls we're having compared to also like the panic of being sick. You're like, you know, and I know this is nothing like polio. This is nothing like polio, but you read about polio and you're like, well, how close is it to polio? You know, it's nothing close, but yeah, you start worrying. Polio is probably the last time they were shutting down pools and shutting down. I, you know. I yeah. see. I see people compare it to the Spanish flu, but I think the yeah. difference then is it was the population was nowhere near. We were not mm-hmm. nowhere near globalized as we are now. So well, we're in a whole different ballgame. Like, you know, economic standpoint too, because when you look at that and you're like, 
wow, like, are we close to the, you know, the depression? Well, no, we're getting close to the recession that we experienced, but we're not, we're not great depression level. But again, you start comparing it to past events and you try to find some common ground because for people like us, we haven't experienced those things. We've only learned about those things. Yeah. I I went through the recession and I've been talking with my wife about that. I was like, that felt pretty bad, but I didn't have an invisible thing that could kill me or hurt me. You know what I mean? Along with it. So I think worse kind of right now yeah. for me well, wash your hands wash your controllers keep stay keep home clean yeah stay home and, and also don't do the corona challenge did you see the guy <laughs> that licked the toilet seat um doing the coronavirus challenge he did end everyone, up getting the coronavirus and the biggest thing i think i think the worst thing that happened on the front end of this is it was being described in the news and even i think in some of the health officials they were describing it as like the flu yeah. this thing is not like the flu it's like pneumonia it attacks your lungs. It attacks your ability to breathe. I think pneumonia scares me in general. Yeah. If someone told me, "Hey, you have pneumonia," I'd be worried because yes. I've I know people, young people, that have died from having pneumonia, yeah. and this and, is pneumonia. Yeah. That's what this is. It's like a very draining pneumonia. I had family members oh. that had it, and it like it it's close to death level of stuff uh, of pneumonia or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think one of my biggest misconceptions when I was first reading this, like, okay, seems like older elderly people are more at risk people yeah. with immune issues but I'm i mean they're more at risk like people, than anything I, i'm reading <laughs> people in their 20s dying from this one or two it freaks you up it's like all the accounts i was reading was like i felt like i was going to die i felt like i was going to die and i was like so okay i know there's so there's two ways there's two uh, return of investments on this could die <laughs> or the worst illness of my life and people are not taking it I think they're starting to take it more seriously, of course, now, I think. But there's still people that are like, eh, it's the flu. And it's like, I think there's two comments I have, and then we, I can move on from this. Uh, the first one was the whole immune system thing. I actually, a year, about a year and a half ago, I had a gastric sleeve surgery. And, and actually, it's been about a year. But I had that surgery. And when you have that surgery, your, um, your whole like, stomach and everything, your immune system becomes very uh, exposed. And you get more uh, compromised to being sick as easily. So for me, like, I'm like, scared to death because, like, knowing that and knowing what I have to deal with, uh, that's like, yeah, I would rather avoid certain situations where I have yeah. to come in contact with some people, um, or at least be smarter about that. You know, those are the things I have to avoid. Um, yeah. cause you're completely right. When you say like, even people in your twenties, like I'm, I'm not trying to get sick, like don't be wrong. But the yeah, second yeah. concept that was born out of this, I heard this on the radio and I thought it was the most like, I, I would, it's just stupid. It was the whole, someone's like, everyone just needs to get it and become survival of the fittest at that point. And I <laughs> sat there and I literally like, I literally shaked my head because I'm like, you're basically saying, you know, this is leftovers, but us watching it happen. Like, you know, like that's, just, that just makes no yeah. sense to me. Um, I don't know what is, I don't know if it's a seasonality thing. I couldn't tell you four months from now what we look like. Um, my produ- my projections aren't there. But what we do know is we can control what we do now. And that's yeah. where we have to be proactive. And, you know, proactive as people, you know, for the care of others is like, yeah. hey, stay home, do the right things, wash your hands, you know, just be mindful of other people. Yeah. Well, the good news is, is this has afforded us a great amount of time to work <laughs> on our backlogs and uh, work on our games. amazing amount of time. Amazing <laughs> amount. To the point where my wife last night before we went to bed said, because she was talking to people, uh, her friends on FaceTime or whatever, and she, and she knew I was playing with you guys and playing, like, online. And she was like, feels like we're back in high school, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it feels like that because nobody's, you know, there's a lot more free time going around. Yeah. So, yeah. Some of us. Some people are just as busy and whatever else. But 
there is a level of that. It's uh, strange. Right strange arrow. To go along with that, let's jump right into it. I have pre-ordered the game that only a couple months ago, pre-pandemic, the pre-pandemic world, I said, I, I think Persona 5 looks awesome. Never going to have time to play it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have time. I didn't know the pandemic and the end of the global economy was here. We're here now. Uh, welcome. And I did pre-order Persona 5 Royal. I will have impressions on that by the next podcast. So we'll see. Uh, yeah. And I'm planning on actually playing that as soon as I finish the game that I'm playing now. So we'll both be talking about it. Jacob, heck, you so could play it too. I'm, I really could. I probably won't, but I could. <laughs> you could um, if you wanted to. I got hey, thinking of, speaking of it feels like high school again, that game you literally are in high school and you have a calendar and you go to class and you take tests. And... <laughs> yeah, I'd rather. I'm doing that now. I'd like to avoid that if I could yeah. in video games. It's like Mass Effect and drama all over again. But Travis mentioned, and this has like got me excited. He was like, "It's you're going to do stuff you can't do right now. Go to school, like walk around, see people, clothes." Yeah. I was like that does sound cool. Like yeah. people, people and close crowds it looks weird. Just just play VR chat. It's the same thing. You get in a room yeah. full of people, and they're all VR people, and you just talk. I think we're all going to become VR chat. <laughs> it's gonna be weird when we are able to just go back because it's like you're just not used to being around a lot of people now. I don't know there, about you guys. It's been like meme, three weeks since I've been around more than two th- people. There was a meme of like somebody acting crazy, and they said, "This is going to be all of us when we socially <laughs> are trying to like." Eh, I don't know what to do. like. We're all going to be these weird uh, yeah. theater class kids, I guess. When yeah. we come back. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. Uh, one more thing. I hate to keep, um, keep going back on this, but coronavirus is kind of a you know big topic. You've heard about it. Um, why you got to make it so political, Zach? Why do you got to make this podcast so sorry. political? I did a pickup. We did a pickup of a local business that sells, they, they sell pizza and some other food and stuff, this restaurant. And when we pulled up, they had a sign like the, the receipt. We paid through the phone or whatever else. And they were like, I'm going to have to have you sign this. I sterilized it. I wiped the pin down and I'm handing it to you now or whatever. I've already done that and handed it to us. And driving away from that, I went, this is going to, this is definitely going to change because at what point do we, okay, we we're getting out of this or it's coming, people are starting to come out. The restrictions are left up. At what point do people have like an afterburn of like worry of like, maybe this kind of becomes a more normal for people. Does that make sense of like, what, is it safe to go outside? And like, you know, at what point do people make it safe? And it looks do, great. Do people have like, are people going to have this like OCD level of like, or just yeah, like, germaphobe, a germaphobes, like people are going to be affected by this. Cause I honestly am like seeing all this stuff and I sterilized the pen and did this. That's like, I'm, this might worry me to uh, pass yeah. the point where it's actually safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're actually gonna have be really safe, but you know, well, there's that. And there's also like, at what point do we like, just not need people to sign receipts. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing? Why are we signing receipts with the pen yeah. and paper? I mean, I honestly thought we'd get past what that year is it? Right now, I, mean, like, <laughs> I gave you my chips, credit card information. The, every, like, it already says my name. Like, yeah, I have to type in my pet every time I go to like somewhere and I have yeah. to pay and I have to press those buttons to type in my pen. I'm like, why am I touching these buttons? Yeah, that stuff's gone. That I've got my card. Gone. Just like yeah. charge I don't, it. I don't like, think so. I just think it's it's. Just- I've never wished that more places had Apple Pay than right now, where I could just 
not touch anything. I think stuff like Apple Pay Dude, and all that stuff is going to be more well, going to take off. Your credit yeah. cards now have the ability to do wireless pay as well. Like I just got new cards and they all have a wireless chip reader in them. And I just hold them yeah, up and yeah. pay. Like, yeah, I try to use Apple Pay as much as I can. The NFC, like, just fund it down or whatever. Oh, we've got a new guest. Oh, look. Hey, we got a cat. Mila the cat. I think she wants out. Let me let her out. My dog's knocked dog out. Too. Yeah, she's knocked out. She she saved because she recently got fixed. Hi, Coco. Did you just wake up? <laughs> Guys, this this is weird. Dog. Like, this to is, say anything, this is, this is stupid. It's a weird, weird podcast, isn't it? Like we get to see like inside each of person's house. I mean, you already saw this freaking place. Well, times, but I mean, yeah, my place is like not. I just moved in, and like you guys probably seen the background, the blinds that are ripped up. That's from my dog, not me. Uh, <laughs> you know I, what's I interesting, and I don't know what of this kind of stuff you watch, Zach, but Jacob, I'm pretty sure you watch some of this kind of stuff. But I watch like lots of ESPN and Fox Sports, and they have these like immaculate sets, and they come every day dressed in suits, and they've got a host, and and they've got like 18 cameras for video yeah. angles, and they get on there and they debate about sports topics, right? Well, obviously because of this those shows are not able to go to their studios and stuff. So they literally are doing this. Like it's literally they're in their houses and they're doing this. And it just makes me laugh because when you strip away all of like the production and the elements that they have, and I'm watching their stuff is also like, they have the hiccups that we have. They have like the, you know, awkward handing off the topics and they don't like, it's just the flow. it, It like equalizes everything. You know what I mean? To a certain degree. Like it's, it's just funny watching these like yeah. people you see on TV all the time, and then they're like in their room and they're having a conversation just like this. With <laughs> yeah. the chat. Everyone's I almost doing like this it better. Now. There's been a couple, yeah. There's been a couple shows where I even looked down in the comments and people are like, "I like this better than the thing you do normally." Like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. You ever watch Undisputed, Jacob? Yes, I do. I, I love so, it. So yeah, so Undisputed. So they're doing this basically with Shannon and Skip, and and people are like, I almost like this better because they're just arguing more and they're just talking and they're not like trying to do something for the for the cameras. So I just I think that's everyone's a Twitch streamer now. Yeah, yeah, everybody. It's crazy. It is. Well, even me. I even stream on Twitch now when we play Halo. And I don't yeah. talk to whoever's not I've, watching or watching. I've honestly thought about it just because like how much free time I've had now, but then I'm like. I don't want to. I, I mean, know. I was already doing hangouts, but I've actually been doing hangouts more. Like it's it's opened me up to where I'm actually streaming more. I've been playing the Last Guardian. Let's let's go back into let's go into Happyville for a little bit. We'll probably swing. We're gonna still talk about coronavirus warning, but uh, uh, I've been playing Last Guardian on the hangouts, uh, making my way through that. It's my second time through, but playing it the second time through, I've been wanting to do that for a while. Um, but that game is a oh it's so perfect like there's those parts like i'm still getting goosebumps second time through like oh I'm, I'm on the stream like check this part out right here oh perfect how they like manage this and stuff like second time through is like i appreciate it even more so that's been awesome going through a second time i love that uh, game when i played it the first time yeah. it was frustrating at the beginning because the dog cat doesn't listen ever and i talk but i talk about once that you in get the used to that once you get used to that it's got a great kind of story and it's very yeah. emotional i talk yeah. about that in the hangout because uh i didn't find out until after i'd beaten it in a developer interview that that was on purpose that it kind of sucks at listening to you because you're trying to gain this bond with this thing and you're like go over here and it doesn't even like know you yet yeah. but as the game progresses they put a little part here and it can't like, do this oh, yet hey. but now it's able to do it because it's like you're you get to see the bond and the second time through i'm like oh shoot like you see it even more like yeah they 
and he's able to listen more and it tells you like, yeah, you can do this now and he'll listen better. And I feel like when I think back on this generation, I don't think about that game very often, but it really was, we waited for it for so long yeah. and it was really good when it came out. Yeah. I, I will say too, I, a big complaint about it was the frame rate, <laughs> like getting freaked uh, up. Yeah. And the I played, lag. I played on the original first PlayStation Four, and then I am I'm playing on the Pro. I definitely notice more smooth. It's more. Oh smooth. yeah, of course. Sure. I mean, it struggled on the base PS4. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what have you guys been playing? Anything at all? You guys been doing? No, I haven't had time. <laughs> if, if you uh, don't have time now for anything that you said you didn't have time before in the past you just didn't want to do it <laughs> well, yeah that's true. I know, that's true i actually there's a couple of games so i finally shadow of colossus came out on for free on playstation uh i'm probably gonna pick that up and oh yeah probably play through that. i've never played that game before even back when i was on the ps2 um, oh you're in for a treat man yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm gonna go through and play that one um i haven't started yet but i went ahead and went ahead and downloaded it uh, I've been playing Madden because I've had free time. So me and my friends have started a Madden franchise. I still hate the game. I hate the franchise. Dude, Travis, you saw 2K ball, like, yeah, right? Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. I forgot yeah. to add that as a new let's, story. Let's talk about this real quick. So, um, so break it down, Jacob. So finally, uh, for a long time, EA has had exclusive football rights to anything NFL related. Um, recently, Meaning no yeah. other company can make an NFL game. Yes. So back in 2005, there were two companies making football games, ESPN and Madden. And it was really healthy competition because both companies were putting out decent football games. And ESPN 2K5 is my favorite sports game of all time. It's in I my still top play it. It's in my top five, I think, top five video games of all time. I still play all my It has aged better than any other sports game. I mean, you could still sit down and play it and have a great time. So because of that exclusive licensing, we haven't seen any type of football game since 2007 like because there was yeah. a random blitz the league and stuff like that but they'd all phased off it's just been madden for like 15 years so their, which sucks their exclusive exclusive license has went up and the nfl didn't renew it so 2k came in and they signed a deal to where they don't have exclusive rights but they're now able to make video games they cannot make a non-simulated video game for the next year so they can't make a madden type game yeah. but after that it's free game so, yeah, and let me elaborate just a little bit. So Madden's exclusive license goes away after this year's Madden. Mm -hmm. ESPN or 2K can make a non-simulation football game starting right now. Yep. And then Using when the like exclusive this. license goes up, EA could either renew with the NFL or the NFL could not renew, and then it would open it up, like you're saying, free game for everybody. Here's where I'm at with this. I hope to God, I hope that they don't renew the exclusive license after 2021 and that mm -hmm. ESPN 2K5 can come back or at least 2K5 can come back and they can restart the thing. Um, one, because it's not good. Imagine if only one company could make a military shooter. That's oh, awful. Imagine if only one company could make a skateboarding game. Imagine if only one company could make, you know, a space game. Right. Like you, you siphon off any ability for people to compete or try to make things different or generate new ideas. And Madden has been the literal same thing, degrading, not getting any better, just getting worse, stripping out things that people love for like 15 years. It's mm -hmm. literally you could play Madden 2016 and Madden 2020 and they're not different hardly at all. It's the same everything. Well, look at anything. So anything that breeds you, if you have competition, it breeds out the best yeah. in anything. Um, Madden 2005 was the last really, really good Madden. 
Yeah, I, I could I could understand that concept. I really did like 09 uh, with Sean Alexander. Um, that was the Hall of Fame edition. That's probably my favorite Madden of all time. Sure. Um, when I think about it, next to 2004 with Michael Vick because he was a walking cheat code. Yeah. But, um, I think when I think about like anything, I, I've been watching a documentary about the WWE and the Monday Night Wars between WWE and WCW. And um, the WWF was in a, such a stall point because they weren't growing. They weren't, and then WCW came along and pushed them to like, you know, their natural competition. Um, so I'm with Travis. I hope that we don't get another exclusive rights. Um, I honestly, I would really strongly not see that happening. I think the NFL sees what 2K has done with the NBA um, sees everything else is happening, and I don't think they care to have their rights split up. I don't think yeah. that's something they, they care about because you look at FIFA. Um, I don't know, you know they have like two. FIFA. They've got Pro Evolution Soccer and yep. they've got FIFA. Konami uh, has part rights, and Konami just bought rights to Juventus, which is a a, a club out in uh, Italy. They yeah. just they bought the rights to one company. So now FIFA has another team that's representing Juventus, but they're not named Juventus. Yeah. But Juventus is in Pro Evolution Soccer. I don't care about that. I just want a good game. Like that's why I yeah. want, and that's why I just I am just done with Madden. Like I play Madden because I'm forced to play Madden. Now that being all that being said, if 2K got back in the game making NFL simulation games, which a non-simulation game would be like NFL Street, well, you know, like yeah, it would be like, like that. you know, like oh, you know, it's four v four and you pick Blitz characters and you stuff. play on, the, yeah, Blitz or so. I don't really know what they're gonna make. It could be a mobile game for all I know, where you basically manage a franchise cartoon like on a on yeah. a phone. I don't know, but if they get back into making simulation games like they used to, it's a whole other discussion of if they could recapture the magic. Like, I, I mean. They could take the base concept of the way the gameplay worked in twenty two K five and bring it to modern day. Like oh, yeah. that could be done, but whether or not they would execute successfully on that, I mean we've seen when they tried to bring Tony Hawk five back and try to make another pro skater, you know, fifteen, ten years later, it, it didn't work so well. So you never really know, but I think what we're seeing right now, if you look at the NBA franchise and um Yeah, the NBA two K games are but even NBA Live came back uh recently and NBA Live has been hot trash. It's been yeah. bad every year, but it's gotten better and better. And it's starting to put pressure on 2K to start thinking of new ways to be better. But the concept of the NBA 2K5, uh, not 2K5, NBA 2K in general is great. You have a my court where you go and your own creative player and play with a bunch of different people. You have your online franchise. You have your detailed franchise. Um, those are all things that are very, very important to sports games. Um, yeah. And then not only that, your basic gameplay is just, it's all there. It's yeah. And so I think 2K understands what it takes to make a great, sports game yeah it's just can they actually get a hold of that licensing to make simulated games again the, I would hope the, the only way i could sum it up is is my two biggest favorite hobbies probably outside of music is nfl and video games and i haven't bought a madden game in like nine years mm. like and i'm not alone there's a lot of people like me the nfl should look at somebody like me and look at the fact that i don't buy their product and say whoa like, what are we doing wrong here? <laughs> like, we have helps. we have people like Travis who love video games and they love football. EA's and they devote a lot of time game. to those two hobbies and they don't play our game. What yeah. could be happening? Like, if that should have, be a big red flag. If you have two yeah. companies making those games, you're yeah. just increasing their revenue. Like, it's, yeah. it's almost a no-brainer. And you're opinion. guaranteeing that people will pick a side because even if someone doesn't love one or the other, they'll like one better than the other and then there they'll have allegiance to it. who buy two. You yeah, you'll find people who want to buy both games. I like, owned Madden is... 2005 and Madden, and, and 2K5. 
Like, so I think it would be in their best interest to to open that up, but we got to wait till 2021 to find out. But that was probably I, the when I actually read the article, it died my hype down a little bit because it was non-simulation. But when I saw yeah. that headline, the the NFL had reached a deal with 2K, that was like my Shenmue three. That was like my oh <laughs> my god. But then it's like finding out Shenmue three is announced, but. It's going to be, game. you know, a mobile Dreamcast. game, yeah, and whatever. it's, you know, well, but maybe there will be a real Shenmue 3 later. It was kind of like that. So, so yeah. fingers crossed, hopefully see something there. The only game I've really been playing um, is a game I've had in my backlog, VR backlog, for a long time. It's actually a, pro, a, a long episodic game, which is called Aspire 1. Um, it's Aspire. a VR game, and what it is, is you're a VR uh, operative, an, an agent, that your person, you're in like a simulated box and you get taken over a robot and you run through stealth missions. Um, so you get like access to like a tranquilizer gun, access to a silencer gun, access to a bunch of decoys and stuff like that. And you have to do espionage type missions. Mm. I, the best way for me to compare it is Metal Gear Solid meets VR, um, oh, wow. which is awesome. Like it's really, really cool. Um, so I've played through probably about four hours of it. It's about eight or nine hours long and that's just the first episode. Uh, they're making multiple different episodes for this game, and I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed every minute uh, because it's more. Um, I've, I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five like off and on, and um, playing this and able to be able to control like it, they have a cool concept where you know how like in VR, if you guys you, you guys have played VR, if I take my head, imagine there's a wall right here, and I just peek over it, I can see over yeah. that wall, right? The hardest part is when you have a corner. You know, the only way for you to be able to see over that corner is you peek your head over. Well, in an espionage type if you peek your head out, what do you like? You're likely to get caught. So I like what they did was they introduced a, a thing where like on your hand, you have cameras. That's because you're a robot and you just take your hand and you have a camera oh. and you can see over that. And then you can plan out what you're doing next. Because That's really cool. And, and it completely changes the game. So I'll, I'll take my hand and put it over and I'll see there's three enemies there. And I'm like, Oh crap. I need to think of something to do. But then like you start thinking through the, like what you need to do and how you want to approach that situation. So it's really awesome. Another way to get into the espionage series, because I'm normally not like, I'm more of the shoot 'em up type of guy, but for me, it's like, I got to slow down. I got to think through each scenario and make sure I don't get caught. Cause when you do get caught, it's real deal. Like there's seven guys bum rushing you. Yeah. Um, so, so keeping on the topic of VR, I've been wanting to ask you, did you get half-life Alex or is that in the works or what's happening with that? It's in the works. Um, I currently own an Oculus Rift S, and it's compatible on that. Um, my biggest struggle has been I really kind of think I want to experience it on the console is made with by Valve. Yeah. Um, That's fair. I just don't know if I can justify me dropping $1,000 for I, it. I, here's what I'll say, Jay. I did a little bit of looking into that because I don't own the game, and I don't own a PC VR headset, but I was wanting to understand you know, which one to get. And I've been seeing people say that the Rift S is absolutely – just as ideal to play it on as the index because they said the finger tracking on the index is really cool but that's really it that's like what i've heard every and they said that actually the game has a lot of prompts where if you're reaching for something it will move your fingers in the game the way you would move them when you do that and just the way you will when you're doing it so they say that actually you don't miss as much as you think you nice. might so um i would encourage you to just go ahead and play that play it as is and and you can always play it again later if you get the index but it's definitely on there because i want to play through i've been wanting to play through the actual original half-life 2 another game that are in my backlog but i haven't touched 
Um, now that I have the time, I'm going to start making my way through it. Do you own those? Um, I do. I actually have the first one on Dreamcast, um, but I don't think don't. I'm going to play it on Dreamcast. Oh, no. um, That's the not, definitive version. It, it's it, actually I, a little bit different than the actual PC version. Yeah. I'm actually probably going to play Black Mesa. Um, yep. And then I'll yeah, go that's through. a safe way to play. I would recommend for you, especially. Yeah, who I thought Uncharted Remastered looked bad. You should not try look, to play Half Life One. I didn't vanilla. look bad. It just didn't look great. Um, yeah, you should not play Half Life Vanilla. I love Half Life Vanilla, but you should not play it. <laughs> this I'm, man, I'm, for those of you that don't remember, this is the man who played Uncharted Remastered on the PS4 in 4K and said that game looks terrible. It was not in 4K. Ah. First off, I don't care what anyone says that's not 4K. Um, I'm gonna play through it. I, it's definitely on my list of VR games to get through. Um, can you, I'm, real quick question? Can you use the index? It's index, right? The one that you're wanting. Yeah. Can you just get the controllers and they work with your headset. No. See, I'm In, so that I feel like a, a mom buying a Nintendo for their kid on Christmas <laughs> when it comes to VR stuff. You could have this like, one instead. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping and praying that they just release it for PS4 at some point. So. The reason I love this headset over any other headset is I'll show you guys real quick. This is kind of cool that we're doing this. I get to show you a little yeah. bit. Um, I have the inside out tracking. So all these little cameras on the headset all the way around them. Yeah. I don't need base stations, which That's in early fantastic. VR, an early VR headset, that was huge. So I would have three USB ports in my PS, my not PS4, in my computer and then going out in the corners of my room just to have yeah. my base stations to track my yeah. movements. And it was cool because it worked. But Oculus was like, hey, for $400, you don't need the base stations, and it does a great job. Like, I don't yeah. ever have any issues with the track. I will never hook up cameras awesome. in my house. I would do that. And so, like, and these controllers are amazing. Like, it tracks my thumb movements. And the, even if I put a little bit of pressure on this one controller, this grip button, it yeah. tracks it. Like, it's not like it's a bad controller. Um, so, there are some things I think that for VR, if you're looking to get into, I would highly recommend Oculus over anything else. Because I had the vibe. And the vibe was cool, but the base stations are not worth it. Like it's it's not. Well, That's the only thing well, to keep me from getting Before the, the world ended um, and the supply chain was completely drained, I was planning on getting one this hey, summer. But Oc uh, Oculus TBD. is selling through the roof um, because of all this. Like they well, they were already selling through the roof. Yeah. You, you can't get them. They've been on back order since January. I've been keeping an eye on it. You have to buy them through third party or from somebody who is selling theirs which well, is why I'll, i said the other night if you do buy an index let me know we can have a conversation <laughs> um who, who knew that that your our worries would go from how are we gonna get this back-ordered oculus to how can i pre-order Charmin's four pack <laughs> of toilet paper like Honestly, how do i get toilet paper to the do? comparison is stupid but yeah. my, my brother he had, to get a, he had to get a quest and he went on a battle he had to go through four different best buys till he finally found one um but he got a quest and the quest is the completely wireless oculus version which is cool, but it runs a lot like slower. But they made a thing called a link cable where you can connect it to your computer and it upgrades the Quest, which oh, is stupid. Like that's that's but that's how far along the Oculus is. Like wow, compared cool. to all the other like headsets. So highly recommend it. Oculus will be making an announcement later this year about their new headset that they're gonna be making. So hopefully it's 2.0, not 1.5 again. But have you seen any footage? I've been watching just. Because this is the only way I can experience this as the streamers. I've, yeah, you know, I've watched a decent. Got amount. in and watched a couple people play the game. Uh, wow, that game is, yeah, it's the thing they were waiting on, like to I, to do another Half Life. It was I've been the, playing, the mechanics uh, and stuff that they're doing, and that is like next 
so oh, I've been playing cool. Boneworks. Uh, I know I, I mentioned this a couple times on the podcast, which has like mm-hmm. really heavy emphasis on physics in VR. Um, yeah. I think Alex is Boneworks on crack, it looks like. And yeah. it also like fixed some of the issues I'm having with Boneworks right now. Um, so I'm excited. Like I, what I'm, specifically? What reminds I, you of Boneworks? So one is like uh, in VR, if I take my hand and I push hard enough through a, a sob, an object, it will go through it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like imagine a wall. Or if I put my head through a wall, it will go through it. Um, those kind of things are like, it's heavy physics based. So like if I start pushing like on a car, the haptics will like go off in my controller, let me know like I can't push anymore. And I'll feel the pressure as I try to push. Like that is crazy. It's like the harder I push on a car, the harder the controller rumbles. Um, like that is nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Half-Life Alex, like when you need ammo, you'll literally go to like bookshelves and start knocking stuff off the bookshelves and you'll find it and then you'll put it in. Yeah. I heard a lot of the early game is learning. There's only four weapons in the game, but you learn so in depth how to reload the weapons. Mm-hmm. There's a whole upgrade way that you upgrade them to like do auto reloading. And it's, it's, it's cool. so in depth. I, I think, I think VR again, guys, uh, I think we talked about it in our, uh, dweebs when we were going through and doing our discussions um vr is definitely like a 1.0 1.5 type of feel but and i know zach we've been talking about i'm waiting for 2.0 you better you better get ready uh it's it's on it's on its way yeah um yeah but it looks awesome i also love i don't know if you've seen the videos you can draw on a marker yeah yeah uh, on there so i've been seeing some funny stuff from that and then you can flip off uh you can use if you have the index jacob maybe that's what he's waiting on to flip off the guards and stuff (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the stuff awesome. I'm planning on doing. I'm trying to work my way there. Cool. Uh, so we went back. You know, we're talking about the future. We had to go back in the past around the time that Half-Life 1 came out. And they remastered it, made it look pretty. Me and Travis have been playing Halo 1's Legendary Campaign. Yeah. Mm. Not much to say other than it's Halo, but I will say this is the first time playing the PC version. Yeah. And there is some wackadoo stuff. Uh, we were cracking up um playing online there are some crazy freaking versions of like there's a flamethrower which I did. and crazy like weapons from later in the series and the maps yeah. are weird and the modes are weird and there's people writing uh slurs in the chat it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's a nuts environment playing that it, game online um, <laughs> and it's cool playing halo on mouse and keyboard you know when i was a kid i played that game always on a controller now that i'm older and i've learned my lessons i play pretty much every shooter with mouse and keyboard so um, i was a little worried of how the game would play on a mouse and keyboard i didn't know if it would feel the same or if it would be as fun and it's actually i think more fun on oh mouse i'm and sure keyboard. it's amazing that i game really like it mouse and keyboard. yeah i really like it a lot and Actually, I've never beaten it on legendary mode, but I feel like with the mouse and keyboard, it's a little more possible than when you're using a controller. Uh, but we're co-oping our way through that. Zach, I looked. Yep. If you have seen, if you, I mean, I don't have any followers on Twitch, so I don't know how you would have seen it, but <laughs> I have streamed it when, when Zach and I have played. Uh, my Twitch I posted is, one time. I didn't post it last I, yeah, night. My, but... my Twitch is Slythe93, so if you ever see us go live, it's me and Zach playing Halo probably. Um, but Zach, we, we just got halfway through the campaign, so we've played um the first mission pillar of autumn and we played the one where you're down on the halo we did the the what is it called the revenant the covenant i don't know they're when you're on the, the big ship yeah, and then we did the one that we did last night the last one was hell on earth assault on the control room 
Assault okay. on my mind. Assault on the control room. That, I believe, is – I actually saw online people rate that level really high. People, like, love it, and they say it's great. I think it's one of the worst levels I've ever played. <laughs> Assault on game okay. design. You oh, literally sure. just go through the same room, what, 12 different times? Yeah, I mean, it just crazy. never ends. So, uh, But we've had a good time the, playing through it. Wait till you get to the flood levels. Those yeah, are we're on that now. The next yeah, one's a flood on level. Legendary, it's, it's – I would honestly say like that's where I gave up because I played legendary with my friend um, and we got through a good chunk of it. But when you get to that, there's like this is impossible. Yeah, Zach, we've got three four three guilty spark, the library, and then after that, there's a mission. I forgot about this. There's a mission called Two Betrayals, and I I saw it and it brought back like PTSD because I played <laughs> through the campaign with my brother on heroic last year. And, and my sister also. And when we got to this level two betrayals, it's the assault on the control room, but in reverse. You start where you got with Cortana and you go awesome. all the way back through the level backwards. Mm, and, right. and I just kept joking because it's called two betrayals. It's like the second time they screwed you with this crap. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they know the what they're second, doing. Two freaking uh, betrayals. The second so. betrayal. Uh, one thing I will say about this, so I'm loving it. I loved it when, like, I, I got this game. I got Halo 1 when Halo 2 was about to come out. I was like, let's see what the hype's about. I got an Xbox, and I played through that before Halo 2 came out and loved it and loved multiplayer. Uh, one thing I'm learning, the pistol will kill anything immediately if you just get a headshot. Uh, and then, two, playing this with the next thing I want to talk about, uh, Destiny 2, funny enough, I have caught, as many people are catching COVID-19, I caught the Destiny 2 bug. Um, as, as everybody else's. Um, so playing this at the same time is so funny. As Halo One is still good, you can you can taste uh, the the age. It is aged, yeah, not it poorly, is aged. not poorly, but it has. You can tell that there has been improvements on Destiny. So going back and forth between those two is jarring at times because. <laughs> Halo 1 seems like the beta for Destiny, and you're like, oh, I can't do that, or, oh. Yeah, I can't double jump, I can't slide, I can't, yeah. you know, aim down and sides. <laughs> so it's very jarring to go back and forth between those. But to go into this, I have, you know, now that it's free to play, I said I would come in. I am here. I am in the Destiny 2 world. Yay, nay. And I like it. I, I, I really feel like I did with Destiny 1, which is, this is bar none the best gameplay FPS like out there. The best feeling, yeah. the shooting mechanics, the guns and stuff. Oh my gosh, like nothing else touches it. Sorry. But um, having fun playing with you guys. We've been playing different raids and stuff. I will say uh, we also had our friend, uh, he's been on Hangouts before, Alex um, <laughs> in here. And he, uh, we did a, what was that called? A raid? It was a raid. Yeah, raid? We, did a, we did the first raid, Leviathan. So that. Jacob, did you know this? No, I did not know Alex. Me, Zach Pike, Zach Campbell, April, Alex, and Ian did Leviathan together. That'd be so awful. This it was uh, awesome. It was fun. We we got through it, um, and it it was fun. But at times, uh, me and Alex, I think Alex much more. He's very uh, uh, speaks his mind a little bit more than I do. Uh, but he said this is like solving a math problem because there are parts in the raid where it's like someone go. You have to stand over on this yeah. pedestal on this panel on this switch and then that person will go over there and then everyone has to call out a certain number and then we have to and i was losing my mind by the 20th try of that of like can i just play a shooter so i got well, that that was kind of frustrating but it was fun to be hey at least you're solving math problems with your friends and, yes uh, yeah with stuff. your friends and more than three people 
And uh, more yes. than three people. More and the boss and, and the boss was a ton of fun, Jacob, when we got yeah. I, once everybody learned it and we burned them. I remember yeah. playing through the boss and when the first time I went through the raid, I got assigned duty of uh being the, the transporter. So in the when we fight fighting the not the Fife and I don't know what his name was, whatever. Yeah, the cal the the callus. Yeah, yeah, dude. Um I got I was in charge of getting transported into the realm and flying down the uh yeah, calling out the symbols. Yeah, yeah. That like that took so much level of communication, and the worst part was like the first time we did it, um, we had a couple people who just kind of wasn't vibing with us. <laughs> I guess. Um, and I'm the person like Zach and Zach Pike got to experience it yesterday. I get highly frustrated at FPS shooters um, because, and I don't like to brag, but like I'm I'm decent at FPSs. Like I've played them a long time, and like I hate. I hate gimmicks. I, I hate the little like when Destiny went to the whole strictly shotgun sniper like realm. I hated it because like I'm all about the auto rifle. Like how good do you shoot and how consistent can you be when you shoot? Like yeah. I love that. I don't like anyone. Anyone can be a flash in the pan sniper. Like quick scoping was a thing. I, I know it was, um, but I don't know. I I've been playing with them and uh, I've enjoyed it. I've had fun whether or not they want to believe that or it's, not. Um, I've I'm, been I'm having glad fun. They... I'm glad they made it free. It's yes, no barrier to say, entry. I will say it People, free. We're having fun. Yeah. It's good. It's it's free and it's fun. That's, exactly. that's how it's the price. Was what, the price. Really? What light level are you? He's like 820, I think. So you're telling know. me like, at, how many hours have you put into it? Like, I think I looked yesterday. It was like seven, I think. Would you put a price point on this game if like you know what you know now? Yes. This one without doing the story and now that there's been some fun strikes and stuff we've done or whatever i would pay yeah that's a weird question because that's it's quite literally free i know yeah. that's why i'm asking them because it wasn't free because i did pay because i said twenty dollars is what destiny one was worth <laughs> i would say uh, this hasn't been bad i'm trying to think like it's just been a fun kind of experience i'd put 45 bucks on the line for this i'd pay that Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I was, I guess I was, it's almost a $60 game. It's not quite there. <laughs> if they had a good story. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you Yeah, because I know that that is still kind of up and down. Yeah. If there's one thing they cannot do, because like they have everything, like the character designs, the, uh, yeah. the people you introduce you to, like you get invested in those people really quickly. The story's got off. Like, it's terrible. Even the, like, It doesn't really have a story. It just kind of has a world. And as you learn more about the world, it's like, oh, that's cool, or that's what's going on here. But you don't have a story to grab onto. Like, this is what's happening. They don't. So, they do one, one thing I'll ease up on, Destiny, I will take back some of my harsh criticisms, is playing through Halo 1 as I'm doing this. I'll be honest. I couldn't tell you the story of Halo 1, Halo 2, <laughs> or Halo 3, or Halo Reach. I don't know. Yeah. It's a green guy in a green suit. Yeah, it's I, never I been their strong suit. I think I, that I came to that conclusion a couple of years ago because I played Destiny yeah, and Destiny there's two, and then I played Halo One with my brother, and I was like, I feel like somehow they red pilled us all into thinking that like they were good storytellers, yeah. and they really never were. They had good like commercials and they had memorable moments, but the yes. stories of those games are not anything to write home about they i will say they did make us read cards on the internet to explain the story so our, i think in that way even though it's like it's almost kingdom hearts level looniness of story at least kingdom hearts and be like kingdom hearts one and two was complete and three like there's a cohesive yeah. story whereas destiny's yeah. like i don't have time to explain what i don't have time to explain like guys i'm currently fighting a strike right now with my dog yeah 
How's that going? It's awful. It won't stop. Well, it's communication. You got to work the panels. Well, I can say that uh, I have had a blast. I mean, you heard all the names we said. Alex, April, Zach Campbell, Jacob, my brother, Zach Pike, my buddy Sam's on all the time. We have like nine, ten different people that are just kind of – there's always somebody on. And so it's been been a fun game to play on quarantine. And uh, (laughs) I'll be be right back. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I've been having a good time with it. Teaching you guys the raid was particularly funny. It was a fun yeah. time. All right. We, but, uh, you wait a second. You yeah, wait we'll, we'll second. wait a second. We can wait a second. <laughs> Get off me, girl. Stop. <laughs> I don't think he knows we can still hear him. Coco. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get off me. Oh, my God. That is not a small dog. Oh, the big dog. <laughs> oh, how did that happen? <laughs> really disagreed with your opinions on Destiny there. Seemed like the dog did. Dude, I I, I could not get her to stop. I take her outside at one point. Like I, I was not winning that battle. <laughs> uh so we have one more game someone's played. Yeah, I've been playing game when this whole quarantine thing started i was watching a lot of tv shows and stuff um but i was like okay when it really started dot on me i was going to be home a lot i was like okay this is an opportunity to get back into some of these games i mean my ps4 backlog has persona and near automata and it's got all the yakuza games and on my pc i've got a bunch of stuff and I was trying to figure out of the big games that I started or wanted to play, what could I pick up and knock out? Um, and so I actually settled on uh, finishing up Red Dead Redemption 2. So Great choice. Um, a long time ago, it feels like, I started that game, and I did the first chapter, I think. Uh, the first chapter is when you're up in the mountains. Second chapter, you're, like, down in a town. And I think I got to the end of the second chapter, and then I haven't played that thing for, like, eight months. So um, I decided to get back into it, and I wasn't sure how I felt about that because I remembered liking the game, but I also remembered it's very slow. There's like 80 different characters in the gang, so I was yeah. like, how much am I going to be able to pick this back up and remember who all these people are? Um, but I picked it back up right at the beginning of Chapter 3, and uh, like a week and a half later, I'm in the final chapter of the game. I know there's an epilogue, and so it, it, there's some more stuff after the part I'm on, but um, I'm in the last act of the main part of the story, I'm pretty sure. And uh, it's, it's a really great game. Um, it's, it's a weird one for me because I want to say that it has one of the, one of the best open worlds. Like, I just feel like it's so scenic and the different regions really stick out as memorable to me. Um, not quite on the level of like a Breath of the Wild, but almost like that top left half of the map is like those mountains. And then there's yeah. like a prairie region. And then the bottom right is like that almost like New Orleans, Louisiana style with the swamps. Yep, I know and then up about. in the north right is like these caves, almost like West Virginia. And you got these weird, you know, like hillbillies in these caves and so it just the different regions on the map are very memorable. Um, and I, this game is, I think, the most beautiful game I've ever played in terms of the environments. I always yeah. thought The Witcher 3 was the most beautiful because the trees and, like, the, the islands look so good. And that game still looks great. But Red Dead is a cut above even that. Like, the, the world 
I don't know. You just turn the corner. It looks like a painting with like the fog and the lighting. I'm playing it on my PS4 Pro with like HDR and it's gorgeous. And then when you get into the characters, so you've got like you you play Arthur who's in this gang and he's kind of like the strong, silent type kind of character. He's not like the brains of the outfit. He's not dumb, but he's not like trying to solve all the problems. He kind of just is loyal and he's loyal to the gang and he's just going to do what Dutch who's the leader asks him to do. And he's going to, you know, if they ask him to go collect debts, he's going to go collect debts. If they ask him to go rob a bank, he's going to go rob the bank. He's not going to say, let's not do this. This is too dangerous. He just kind of does loyal it. by nature. He's loyal by nature. And that's, uh, I really like his character in that way. Yeah, he's, he, he's kind of, he's the, I think he's the closest. There was always a thing early in, in video game storytelling, which was like, settling on do we do a blank slate character where you can kind of imagine your own personality onto them or do we do a really well-defined character where you just pick choices right so like witcher 3 is an example of a really well-defined character like Geralt is a character right you can do like bad things or good things but it's all kind of morally ambiguous anyway one and two ultimately Geralt is Geralt no matter what you're picking and that's great that's fine but then the other side is like Gordon Freeman which is like you don't really know anything about him he's a blank slate you can just feel however you want to feel right I think Arthur if for an open world game is 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 probably the most you know like kind of in between those two things you can get where he is a character but like because of his personality and because of the ambiguous things you can do or not do in the game, like you can kind of imagine what you think is going through his head, you know, in a way I don't feel like you can do with Geralt or with some of these other kind of like really well-defined characters. And then there's the other side, which is totally blank slate. And there's no interesting story beats. They're just, Gordon Freeman is just a guy with a crowbar. Like there's no, like no one ever thinks about Gordon Freeman as a character. He just is, he's a picture. He's just, you know, an art design. And so I really like Arthur as a character. Um, I'm down towards the part of the story where there's some pretty pivotal things happening with him and it, you know, you're, I'm connected to him. I really like him. Uh, You know, he's kind of living a rough life and all the things that come with that. So uh, I really like it from that vantage point. And then the gang itself has Dutch and it's got Micah and Bill and Jose. It's got all these guys. And I was worried I wouldn't remember who any of these people were. And there's been a couple times where someone's either died or something's happened. And I've been like, okay, he's dead. I don't know who that guy is. But for the most part, um, I really like the, the characters in the gang and they all are unique and memorable. Uh, there's so many great, this game probably wins the award for most scripted dialogue that's interesting that you could totally miss yeah like when you're hanging out at the camp every single character walks around the camp and they talk to each other but they don't say generic things like oh the weather today like like normally they're like they're saying things that are true to their character like i am so upset about this and then they're this arguing other with says, each other they're arguing like true to who they actually are and it's happening and you can walk by and hear it and walk away you can walk by and talk to them you can walk by and sit and just listen sometimes if you say something it will change the flow of what they're saying you know yeah. like they'll start to ask you questions whereas if you didn't say anything they probably wouldn't ask you the question and it it's kind of mind blowing in a way of i don't like to miss dialogue 
so like in a game like Mass Effect, I would be the guy that would sit there and click on every dialogue option to see what they have to say. And now that I'm getting older, I don't do that as much because I want a lot of games aren't written well enough to really care. And two, it feels very seventh gen or eighth gen to do that or sixth gen to do that. This is like the modern day version of that where like you don't have a dialogue wheel where you're talking to your people in your gang. You're just sitting down and they're talking. And then you can say something or not say something or ask them, you know, engage to learn more. But ultimately, like, it's much more natural in a way that, like, I prefer that way over, like, a dialogue system where you're going up to everybody every time you come back to the camp and you're asking them things on the wheel. But the flip side is you can miss stuff all the time. All the time you can miss stuff. There's stuff going on constantly. I was walking back to camp and I was going to my bed, but I heard Dutch, who's the gang leader, was giving a speech. And so I was like, I'm going to go see what he has to say. And I go over there and he gives this really interesting speech. And then people start saying, he doesn't know what he's talking about. After he gives the speech, they're walking away and they're all saying like, I don't, he's losing his mind and stuff. And I was like, if I had just gone up and slept in my bed and then went to the place I was going to go next, I would still be in tune with what's going on, like the story, but I would miss those little interactions. And so on that level, that game deserves like a technical design, all the awards yeah, in terms of incredible. building an organic gang and an organic kind of culture of these people that are all together doing this thing. I, I think that was one of the biggest components what made that. That was my game of 2018. Game of yeah. the year. Um, Remind me what that else sh- came that- out in 2018. Was it Spider-Man God of War? Spider-Man God of War, yeah. God of War, I think yeah. I gave Spider-Man my game of the year that year because I didn't get around to Red Dead. Red Dead is the game of that year, far and away. Like, I would retroactively go it, back and strip it. Checked God of War, though, was... I, I it, checked everything on, it checked everything on my list because of that. Like, you felt like you knew these guys, and like you said, and you can miss conversations, and... Yeah, people would just sit down and start strumming an instrument, and then they would start singing a song at a campfire. And it's like, I know these people. Whoa, I've never felt that yeah. in a video game ever. I've never felt this level. This is new to me, and that—that's why I was like, oh, this is like it yeah. checks every list of like the lore and this world and the characters. It's so deep. It's so awesome, and I just—it's a I felt it's like an, I was living there. It's an actual role-playing game, not yeah, like an RPG system with the numbers and all that. It's yeah. like you you're literally playing the role of Arthur in this yeah. story and you're 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 literally every little integral thing that he would have to do to survive, you know, from hunting a rabbit and cutting it and eating it to, you know, going and collecting debt debt for the gang or when you come back they're saying we don't have enough food for this person. You're like, do I put money in the box or not? And then if you don't, people will ask, why aren't you putting money in the box? And it's just yeah. like, it's it's really, really, how do you, really good. Uh, how do you feel about the overall story pacing? Uh, here's what I'll say. I, I don't think that there's anything actually wrong with the literal missions. I think that the second chapter of the game should have been split into two different chapters and and this is like a thing that i feel like happens nowadays where a game will have let's say six chapters but and this same thing in death stranding death stranding had acts i think they were called act two was like twice as long as any other act in death stranding or act three i don't remember which one it was was chapters i think it was chapter yeah so like so death stranding was similar i if you're going to have chapters, they should try to break them up to make them feel roughly equal length. Because I spent probably 
close to half of my playtime with Red Dead on one single chapter, and it was early in the game. And when I saw online that there were six chapters, and it took me like 15 and a half hours to do one of the chapters, I kind of fell off it. I was like, I mean, I will never finish this game. It goes on forever. But the later chapters are so much more succinct to the point. It's less sprawling. And so I think from a pacing perspective, I mean – I think maybe early on when you're at Valentine, which is the chap the town that chapter two is based around, I think they could have condensed some of what you're doing in Valentine and spread it amongst the other parts. But I also think they could have just made it two chapters. Like there's a chapter where you're on the mountain, which is the beginning of game chapter one. And then they tried to do Valentine, which was one introducing you to the whole yeah. open world. And then two also trying to get you to do this whole interweaving story in Valentine. I think what they could have done was, is make chapter two at the start, get introduced to the open world or reverse it but you know don't try and do both at the same time because it made that chapter like it was like 20 missions long and yeah. so that that was kind of my feeling on it but I forgot, now that i, I came that back they packed it, so much content at the oh beginning. my god well, that was, chapter um, two it's good but it's just so it was so long. Demotiv- demotivating for me like i just didn't want to like i didn't want to continue i'm glad i did but it was like I feel did like you I'm finish never- it I'm almost at the end. I, I feel like I'm. I'm like I'm getting closer and closer. That's a game I'm probably going to finish on this. You guys are going to hear about next month. You got yeah. time. So, but I'm with you, Travis. I mean, I think the game is great. I, it honestly makes me more excited that Rockstar is working on their next GTA game because you know Red Dead was so awesome. I this know yeah, this this thing solidified for me because I love GTA Four. I beat GTA 3 and 4. I never beat 5, but I played it a decent amount and I liked it. Um, and then I never did Red Dead One but I like this one a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I wish they would put Red Dead 1 on PC or something because it might be fun to dabble with. But well, is it not on I think Game at this Pass? Point, I think at this point I missed it. Yeah, it oh. might be on P- Game Pass. But, but this game, I almost forget because you take Rockstar for granted a little bit because they're just such a behemoth and they're not at E3 and you just... I don't know about you guys. I don't think about Rockstar the same way I think about all these other game companies. Like to me, they're almost their own thing. They they're they're aloof. They do their own thing. They release their games when they release them every five years, and so. But this game reminded me because it's the first time I played one of their games in a long time. One of their new games. It, it just reminded me that they are far and away. Like nobody is even close to making random quest givers and random NPCs interesting. Yeah. Every single one. And I was even uh, thinking about this with The Witcher 3, which I love The Witcher 3, but a decent amount of your quests in that game or some guy like, oh, hey, well, uh, we got a a gargoyle out here. And then Geralt's like, it's probably not a gargoyle. And it's it ends up being a good quest. But like the guy on the street that stops you is just like a commoner. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But in Red Dead, it's always like they're wearing an interesting outfit or they've got a weird voice or they've got a weird tick or they've got something weird with a family or a friend that they're trying to find and there's it's just like every single character in that game feels like a real person almost and it yeah. blows me away how they how they do that rockstar is very um their niches they take time like they take a long period of time to create something that's really really good and it's really good over off the rip like yeah it's we're not going through the whole like give it six months and it's good then um, no, you get the game, it's good where it is at, and you can play it right there, and then they add to it. They're still yeah. adding stuff to GTA Five today, and it's keeping it the way it is. GTA Five is one of the like, longest, most continuous played games on Steam for a reason. Yeah, that game sold so many copies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unreal, but that's because Rockstar knows what they're doing. If I could change anything about Red Dead, I would just make some of the walking a little less slow. Yeah, 
agree and like when you. you're walking through a building and you're trying to find like a can of beans or something, and he's just like. <laughs> like it's just he's literally every every little movement it's cool because it puts you really in the, it's it's tough it's tough to say you change it i'm just used to that real snappy like metal gear solid 5 like you see the same types of things in that game where like solid snake if you pick something up he grabs it he puts it in his pouch but it's just so much more fluid and that's just kojima makes everything so snappy and fluid so when you go back and you play something like this it really slows you down but it was a slower time period so I'm with you, man. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so let's get into uh, the game industry and the coronavirus uh, because they everything was kind of uh, affected <laughs> yeah. this month. Multiple kind of news things we wanted to talk about were kind of involved in that. Um, I think the first thing is, is Jacob still here? I'm still here. I'm working on getting my dog inside, but I'm listening. I'll chime okay. in when I can. Okay, so you're still listening. Okay. Uh, so first thing, something that before all this corona stuff happened, we were wondering, uh, what's happening to E3? People are dropping. Sony dropped out. Jeff Keeley. That's when I got started getting more concerned was yeah. when Jeff Keeley dropped out because he's like Mr. Games. Like he yes. doesn't drop out of anything. That was spooky, but we didn't even get a chance to see if there was more to it because this coronavirus came and yeah. they canceled it. It was more for like health reasons than whatever. But I think uh, this doesn't help the chances of it coming back. I don't know, like, because before it got canceled because of the coronavirus, uh, yeah, people like uh, Keely was whatever. And it's like, this doesn't bode well. I don't know what's happening if people are dropping out. You know, I got to be honest. I think that this if anything, honestly, might help E3. Really? And here's why. Yeah, here's why. So I've seen a lot of people say this is the death nail, all that stuff. So last year, uh, there's kind of, uh, if you want to talk about what's happening to E3, it's kind of death by a thousand paper cuts. So we've talked about how it's regrown back into kind of this mass consumer thing. We've talked about how it's kind of gone through those ebbs and flows of being more focused on just the exhibitors and just the industry people. And then it blows up and then they cut it back and it blows up again. So there's that. There's um, the reality that digital distribution, you know, is of, of news like Nintendo Direct and now Sony's doing their thing. It kind of makes you wonder why do we need to do this? Why do we need to have a presence? And then last year, one of the biggest things is they had the ESA, I think it is, they had that leak where everybody who had attended and gotten credentials for um, E3 there, they leaked accidentally. Somebody stole all of those people's home addresses and phone numbers. Did you guys remember that last yeah. year? No, I yeah. Know. So, so everybody from Jeff Keeley to the guys at giant bomb to the director of God of war, all of their home addresses were leaked and they were available on 4chan. So, and they were proliferated throughout the internet. So that is when I think, you know, I think companies were like, I don't know, should we be here? Should we not be here? But I think that accelerated the conversation at the more granular like press level and at the common developer level of, okay, there's a lot of crazy people out there, especially in the games industry. And we're going to this event. We don't know how we feel about it. And then like, they're not secure and they leak our addresses, like our home addresses. Like, I think that was what really started last year. People saying, do, why do we even work with this company? Why do we even do this? And I think that people coming out of last year were telling the ESA, the, the software, the people that put on the E3, um, 
they were telling them, Hey, like we, we need to like have some change. We need to like, we need commitment from you that like you're taking the right precautions. You know, this event's kind of not, you know, we're not sure how we feel about this. And I guess ultimately I was reading Jeff Keeley posted that thing on Twitter, but then people were writing back and he was responding to them. And so the narrative I was able to kind of stitch together was kind of this thought of there was hopes that, the people that do E3 would be making more adjustments this year and trying to like be more secure. And they weren't getting the vibe that they were, they were almost acting like nothing happened. And that is part of why people were starting to pull out even more. And Hmm. people were starting to say that this year's E3, even if it had gone on as planned was going to be really kind of a mess. So I'll take this all the way back, which I think this is, if anything was going to help E3, I mean, it hurts in the immediate, but I think long-term this gives them a year off to like actually sit down and, try to figure out like what you know how do they repair their relationship with people and what does the event need to be in 2021 because when you're in a when you're in a mode where you have to do the event every year it's hard to really sit back and take feedback about the previous year because you're already working on the next year yeah and so this gives them a chance to sit back and actually figure out what's needed that is is absolutely something that can happen I, i yeah i think you're right if they have the right I will, leadership. I, I will say knows? another path they could take uh, on this that may happen, and I've seen some people say this too, that the world is changing and everybody's like doing this. Like you even said, like some of the sports people are like, why don't you do this all the time? Mm. Yeah. So I wonder if more people are going to look at what Nintendo was already years ahead of doing. They're kind of direct. Then maybe yeah. people will go, wait a second. It wakes everybody up of like, this is how much we were spending. This is how much we saved by not doing this. And we got yeah. the same amount of exposure to our product this year. I don't know. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you another reason. Uh, I get it. I'm going to tell you another reason why I think people aren't thinking about this all the way through. I'm seeing a lot of people say that companies are going to skip E3 this year. And then as a result of skipping E3 this year, they're going to, they're going to see that their games, if they do the digital direct or whatever, they're going to see that their games aren't performing worse and they're going to not go back to E3. The problem with that is we are now in an economic recession. Their games are not going to perform as good as they would have. All the games this year are going to perform down. So when you get to the end of the year and you've just performed down and you're sitting back and you're saying, oh, crap, we need to really deliver next year. Are you really going to sit here and try to roll the dice on, well, we think we didn't yeah. perform down because of That's E3 or not too. because of E3. You're going to go back to what you know works, and they're going to go back next year and say, forget all of what we talked about doing. Let's do the most straightforward plan we can to make yeah. sure that we, we can figure out what the problem is. Because at the end of this year, if games are performing down, there's going to be no way of knowing how much of it was the yeah. economy. How much of it was we didn't present at E3? How much was X? How much was Y? How much was Z? And next year, when they need to deliver for their shareholders, they're going to do the most vanilla thing they can possible. Yeah. I don't know That's if great. I necessarily agree with that. I don't. I think what you're looking at in the sense of, I think what you started saying was talking about like digital delivery. That right there, I'm like 100% for. I think anyone who would look at this current market and this current situation we're in would understand that, A, of course we're going to perform down. Why would you change, change your entire direction on how you're delivering your product because of something you cannot control um well that's what i'm saying by just shifting fully to from now on we're only going to announce it digitally that would be changing it well that would be the change most of these companies are already doing that now no most of them are not most still go to e3 so that's not most that's two that's two major publishers the rest still have a 
the, Microsoft is like big into E3. You're no, right, but they, they have two. all the product to do. They Jacob, all, there, there's two know, that have shifted to purely digital. There's like seven other major publishers that. But that's have why. It. But that's why I'm saying though is they're already setting the paveway in front of it to to make this happen. When yeah. when E3 started back in '95, like what it was doing was it was doing the number one thing that they needed, the gaming industry needed, was word of mouth. You know, you had sure. magazine and you had commercials. Word yeah. of mouth is everything. Yeah. Um, we have evolved way past that. Like way past. I mean, we have, but, but also there are people, I have friends who don't pay attention to gaming news all year. Like I would say until this year, my brother's getting a little bit more into it. My brother would never text me and say, Hey, did you hear this guy announced or that? But the week of E3, he always knew what was going on. I got another buddy named Greg. He, every year, he doesn't follow this stuff all year, but because, because it pummels the media all at once. Well, and yeah. everybody's word gets out at one time. But even then, I still You're not going to have that this year. When Sony and Nintendo did their separate things, I still got notifications on my phone. I still got notifications from my brother texting me or other people. Like, that's the thing, though, is, like, I feel like the delivery is still the same. Is it in a major area and all condensed in one thing? No. It obviously, honestly, puts more pressure on the developer to have to shine. Um I don't know. I honestly think like E3 is going down the toilet, but that's just me. I, I don't. I mean, I think we all agree that it's trending in the wrong direction for them. But my point is, uh, my only point is, is when you get to the end of this year, if you're head of Ubisoft, okay, and let's say the Assassin's Creed they release at the end of this year underperforms, right? Mm-hmm. We know that the coronavirus had an impact, right? People don't have as much money, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't also know if potentially part of it was we weren't at E3 and we didn't do our big showcase and we didn't get that big boost of word of mouth in June. Right. So when you talk about 2021 and you've got the next watchdogs coming out, is that really going to be the time to take another gamble for a second year on a digital announcement? Or would you rather just go to E3 like you've always done and shoot your shot? Cause you know what that gives you from a word of mouth perspective. Well, I think those developers are definitely will. I don't know. That's what everyone. I'm saying. That's what I'm think, saying. I think this is where you want to see E3. Oh, you're right. Most people, but the people who, I'm, I'm, I hate to say the word matter, um, would look at other. Oh, Ubisoft's games. a big company. They make All a lot of money. All gamers' lives matter. <laughs> I, I, I don't consider, I guess I don't consider Ubisoft one of the top tier companies. I, 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 I mean, I get what you're saying. from a fiscal perspective, they are. They are one of yeah, the E3, no, right. Ubisoft. But my, Ubisoft my only point is, is there's these people on Twitter that live in Twitter world, and they think magically next year E3 won't exist. And I'm saying there's still plenty of companies, third-party publishers especially, no, that need it yeah. to a certain extent. E3 will a security be blanket. E3 will be here next year, and they will be here for probably a couple more years. Uh, will they have the impact they've had in years past? I'm saying no. And yeah. I think that we're going to start seeing companies take their own onus on presenting their product in a yeah. different manner. Um, It'll be the, interesting what who is still around after after the dust settles. Speaking of who's going to be around, uh, an essential service, uh, much of our doctors and our nurses and our GameStops. Uh, GameStop mentioned uh, was in the news because – as places started getting locked down, we're in Ohio, and um, they started like a lockdown. Our governor said, hey, shut it down. Anything that's not essential, shut it down. As that was coming down the pipeline, different states have different rules right now. I don't know what all 50 states are doing right now, but GameStop came out and put a letter <laughs> to the store manager said, keep it open at all costs, and we are an essential service. Tell them we are an essential service if they try to close you down. 
I love that. I think that is GameStop's crescendo as they are going. Did you into see the... why they said that they're essential service? Uh, no, I didn't see. I the... saw. It. I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they I, I, said. I'm here. The essential service GameStop. <laughs> they uh, said they're that they're. Smoking. They said that they're essential service. Get this, because in the letter it said, because we sell equipment that is vital for businesses to do remote to work. Wow, they found a little freaking. What do they sell at GameStop yeah. that helps uh, you do remote work? A headset? USB cords. USB this cords. headset. This yeah. headset. Because believe it or not, I couldn't. Uh, my dog piece of dirt. I love her to death, but she chewed, <laughs> she chewed up my uh, mic to my actual like HyperX's, so I couldn't find a replacement. Don't tell me so you went to GameStop during all I this. I had to go to GameStop <laughs> because. At the time, everything else was closed. And no lie, I went to Target, I went to Walmart, and they didn't have, like, headsets. Thank you, GameStop. So I, I take what? back everything I said. We'll take it all back. Jacob but, needed them. This podcast brought to you by GameStop. On, hold on. This is, where, this is where I got ticked off. Is this Jacob's uh, GameStop was? Yeah, I ran to nearest GameStop. Do you have those games? Like, no, we're actually sold out. Uh, they gave me, like, 13 bucks for it. Oh, yeah. Frank GameStop, <laughs> this is the dumb part so i walked in the GameStop over in fairfield had a stinking sign on the door saying we're open but no one's allowed in the store please order and assign curbside uh, curbside delivery yeah they're doing curbside yeah and i, I was like no. okay that's fine so i called them i literally called i was like hey man i'm standing outside can you grab a mic and i'll give you my card and then just give it to me and he's like well you have to do it online okay so you're gonna make me download your app just so i can buy a stupid mic and then pay for it the same way I'd pay for it now. Yeah, man. Okay, give me five minutes. I do it, and it made me pick a time. And I was like, this is stupid. I have to pick like 30 minutes out. Yeah, so you're picked, right there. I could see yeah. in the window. I, so right I, picked, I picked it, and then I called him. I was like, hey, man, I just did the, the, the curbside thing. He's like, well, it takes a few minutes for it to get over. Uh, what time did you select? I was like, I, I selected like 1.30. Okay, well, come back at 1.30 and pick it up. No, just come out the door. Just come I lose, I, that's why I said, I was like, no. I just paid for it. Just walk out the door. Come give it to me now. And he's like, I, I have to wait for the order to come through, man. Call back in like five minutes. Dude, they're dumb. They're, yeah, the company they're sucks, dude. It's, it's so sad. I, I, this little $5 headset, because I had to have a headset. Like, it just was, it's stupid. Maybe that's why they brought Reggie on board. They said, how can we make things even more difficult for our customers? You've seen a lot of that at Nintendo. So they, uh, I also was seeing that um, the way they were taking payment at first, I guess, I don't know if they're doing it now. You said they have the app, so maybe they quickly adjusted on this. I was seeing online that the what they were telling store managers was to get a plastic bag, to get the credit card, swipe the card using the plastic bag, Put it inside out and hand it back to the to the customer, in uh, all this. That company, I, I, <laughs> I they again, I'm, are I'm, not going to be around after this. I'm just going to say, like, this, I don't uh, know if they're around. I, they, I don't know how they're still open. Their stocks, because uh, again, I'm looking at stocks now. I shared this yesterday. They were sharing at like thirty dollars a stock back in 2015, which is like relatively decent for a company yeah, yeah. their size. They're sharing for like four dollars a stock right now. They bit. They were already in the toilet. Yeah, I, like every five-year trend is. I actually can't comprehend how they're not bankrupt at this at this exact moment. Pure willpower. 
knowing what I know about how this has affected lots of businesses and I mean, they are trending downwards definitely because I mean, look at the news that we last talked about how they were closing like 300 stores recently, I think around. The, yeah. Oh the yeah. So like, uh, and I think they're closing even more right now as all this is going on. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how Here, they're still around. Here's their five year trend. Looking good. Hey, hey, Reggie. Reggie saw that and said, "I gotta get on their board." Like, do you think hey. that they're? Do you think that they're thinking if we can just get to fall, the yes. new consoles will I think save they us. were they were ready to walk on dead bodies of their employees to expose them to this virus. I think. Open I, I, to get I think. There. I think they are just trying to get to this fall yep. because who, who they can turn a profit through. Like, because they can. They can basically ring and reel in a bunch of people for the new consoles yes. that has to be their plan it's absolutely they're holding on and using the dead bodies of their employees to get after that what them to get there. hey they're gonna get the ps4s and the xbox ones and try to resell them again because you know that's what they do with every past year yeah. they're still trying to sell ps2s and wii's like yeah it's over like they need to call it they yeah. need to call it now uh, i don't think they will but i will say that goes with kind of the next thing are are these consoles that are confirmed for holiday 2020 yeah because are those are, even gonna make it already um earlier in the earlier before those the holiday is in the fall the new iphones come out so i'm a big iphone guy i get the iphone every year on my plan i've been reading keeping up with that and it's like back and forth that that thing might be delayed a couple months already yeah. or like this might be the first year we don't, maybe they just go into 2021. I don't know. Cause there's know. supply chain issues. There's launch issues. Like how, everything's going to go far to a, out. Who's going to go to a console say. launch? Uh, it's yeah. I, we're pushing this back boys. Like, yeah, I, it's going to happen. I really don't know what this holiday season looks like after this clears, you know, or if it's still cleared, you know? So I yeah. Know. Yeah. It's, it's just overall again a, just a crappy situation but microsoft came out or was it microsoft both of them came both out of them more, came more out and said that as of now we're we're on track yeah well but course, what else are they going to say right now they can't i mean who in the world would cancel something for, for december like yeah. you're insane to do that but we're already canceling things for june and july uh we're only four months away. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, and you're telling me you're going to speed up. If, if they do not push this back, we're going to have huge demand issues. I mean, we're talking on the scale of like, not the PS2, but like uh, the dreams, like the Dreamcast when it first came out, there was mm. such a high demand for it and they couldn't meet. Do you the think need. that they would launch with too few units just to, just that would to be, get it going? That would I mean, look at, look at the Wii. They that came out with like five, I think, for the rest of America. It units. was absolutely terrible. The Wii the Wii launch was so botched from a demand standpoint. So we're I, gonna need to pre order our PS fives early. Yeah. But I don't you know like I did sign up the other day. Best Buy came out with a thing. These things have never worked my entire life. But they had a Best Buy, they had a page. I saw it on Twitter, someone linked to it. You can I put in my email to when pre orders become available on best buy or whatever they're always late probably they never have worked i've never got an email said hey it's up from any of those sites i've ever done that for because it, it happens it's never worked at all dude i swear to you zach and this is i mean i'm a living like testament because the whole ellie edition for last of us yeah i've been trying to get that now for a millennium and they did one last wave and literally in the blink of an eye they were gone like yeah. 
Did you it's, end up getting the one on the second try? No, that's, that was the, the second try. It was literally like oh. I loaded up the PlayStation page. I clicked on the link and said out of stock. And I was like, are you serious? It's been one minute. Like, yeah. you cannot win those battles. And so the dumbest thing that either any of these companies could have done is to push out their console this year and, and not have the demand be able to meet be met. Yeah. It, it would be an so absolute. So will we play in the PS5? Thing. I don't know. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say this whole thing is going to blow over next podcast. It's gotten even worse. <laughs> There's like fire in the background. And in all, all honesty, I think that things will remain shut down for April and most of May. Yeah. I think by June we'll have, we'll have hit the peak. And then I think that we'll start to see certain things start to open back up in June. And then I'm hoping by midsummer we can enter a state where you can go outside Social distancing is still encouraged. You can still see people, but uh, swimming pools probably won't be open. Um, and uh, there'll what? be there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of argument and debate about when can we do this? Yeah. When can we do that? When can I have a concert again? And somebody and, will have a concert, and some people will say it's too early to have a yeah. concert, and it's it's going to be like that also. This will be the summer of second guessing. That's what this but, is going to yes. be. And, this will be the summer of it's technically legal, but it's just responsible, and we'll argue all summer, and it's going to be that way. I guess well, the way I was looking at it in a sense was there's a lot of people who are saying they don't know if this is going to be a seasonal disease um, because of the way like it's introduced, like the flu and stuff like that. Um, if the summer comes around, maybe like something changes where people, it's less infectious and maybe people are less getting sick. Um, we don't know that kind of stuff yet though. We've no, only we been introduced, we've only been introduced this for a couple of months. So we could come into spring and summertime and people stop getting sick and then come next winter. It's a whole new ball game. Yeah. Like this is the crappiness of the uncertainty we have. Yeah. That's why I'm saying like, I get why some companies are pushing their winter stuff out right now because they don't know what's going on. But I'm definitely, I'm with you. Like, I don't, I think it is a definitely a sum of uncertainty, but in the sense of like, I literally have no clue what two weeks from now holds. Yeah. Or a week. Like things yeah. change every day. So, uh, yeah, we don't know. It's crazy. It's, this is stupid. <laughs> uh, so, you know what? Enough with games, enough with coronavirus. We'll never talk of them again. Both subjects. We'll move on to TV. We're TV fans now, baby. And there was... <laughs> TV at the Wow Zoo. Uh, we've got JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, which you've talked JoJo's about. JoJo's Bizarre. Yeah. I don't think I ever talked about it on the podcast. I, I've talked. I've talked about a little bit about it. It's on my list of a uh, need to watch. My little brother has. You watched watch that show, time. Jacob? I have not. I, it's on my list of I want to watch. Like Jacob, I think you would love this show. I yeah, think you would I, absolutely I, love this show. Yes, I think so too. I think you would because um, so I've started. I'm in the second arc which is still in the first season, whatever. But I'm in the second arc of the show, second season, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it turns into Dragon Ball Z. And what I mean by that is there's parts in the show. Uh, I'll back up a little bit and kind of explain the preface, and then I'll get to Dragon Ball Z. There is a character, JoJo, uh, in, the, in the first arc of the first season, whatever. Joseph Joestar. Joseph Joestar. And they're all British. And uh, they, uh, there is a guy named Dio that enters in. I won't spoil the whole thing of how he comes to be and all this, but uh, he comes in and it turns into Daffy Duck versus Bugs Bunny in anime form. This is what the first arc is. It is literally cartoonish. Like They hate level. each other. They hate they... each other. And JoJo oh is, is this goody, like, I must do this. I'm a hero. I'm a good guy. Kind of. 
upright citizen and Dio is this like Mr. Grinch guy like I'm he is get so him. evil and hateful and it turns into cartoonish it is Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and you got people them. named after bands and singers and I, I, I want to see it. it it looks really good like it's a it's a very so so take a step back real fast so Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is a manga it's a shonen manga so it's a hero based manga just like dragon ball z just like naruto. you know bleach just like naruto whatever um but here in america our exposure to it has been far less than things like dragon ball z but the top the top two manga from the 80s on in japan have been dragon ball z and jojos they jojos has continued to run to this day the eighth part is still being developed as a manga it's been developed since 2012 i think 2011 um and so it continue it just continues on it has been going forever and each part follows a different descendant of the joestar family so whereas dragon ball z it just kind of follows goku the whole way this every you know part will shift the main protagonists and then certain characters may come along for the next journey right and so it is extremely stylish it is extremely out there bonanza. Like in Dragon Ball Z, the power system is all based around like what is the what's like the energy? What's the thing called? It's power level. Uh, your power, power level. Your key. Your key. Okay, yeah. so that's the power system in Dragon Ball Z. JoJo's is known for changing its power system, so that keeps it fresh from part to part. The first two parts follow this power system called Harmon, and it's like basically like electric energy i don't know it's whatever <laughs> but starting with part three they introduce an entire new power system which basically makes harmon useless and it is that is when the show really takes off and it is like this is mine mine this is just everything is so weird like people are like taking people's souls out of their bodies and stuff it is like <laughs> yeah. awesome yeah there <laughs> is like crazy rules <laughs> even in the first two seasons yeah. there's things that happen you're like he can do this and pull his harm on, which makes this car fly across the. It's yeah, not what happened, like, but like, yeah. what, what? How do you get that power? So the 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 show will stop in like a freeze frame, yeah, and then it'll go Dragon Ball Z of like, look what he's doing. He's using his power level to do this. He's never done this before, and it'll do that, and you'll be sitting there and you're like, this is Dragon Ball Z because it like. <laughs> They sit and talk so long before they do an attack. Yeah. You're doing that. I know what you're about to say right now. Next. And, and they will just go on for five minutes. And I'm like, I'm losing my mind. But what, what JoJo's has in its back pocket, and it's in the title of the show, is it is so bananas. It will shock you and surprise you of like, what is happening? Like, it just funny things, shocking yeah, things. It's very out of the blue. You can't predict what's going to happen episode to episode it just takes weird turns and um yeah I, I like it a lot it's a great saturday morning anime you can throw on saturday watch a few anime. watch a couple episodes have some fun or if you're if you're laying down one day and you're not tired enough to go to bed but you don't want to watch something serious you can watch a few episodes and um i'm in part four and it is fantastic i love it uh i, I would say that part three is it's called stardust crusaders it is. Uh, it's a great anime. I had an absolute blast with it, Jacob. I know you would love it. Zach, I, I'm glad, glad you're watching it. It's a fun one. It's goofy, but <laughs> it's probably the only shonen anime I would really ever be able to get into because those things tend to run really long and have a lot of filler. And you know, this show is. It's got the right amount of style and goofiness and memorable characters that I enjoy. It's, it's on my list. I want to make it that, and I want to watch that Kill a Kill. Those are the two I want to yeah, see right yeah. now. Cool. 
I think we need to another elephant in the room aside for the coronavirus, how wrong we were. It's how right I was with the leftovers. I think that's the other elephant. Did you guys in the already room. talk about this last week when yeah, I was Yeah, but you here. weren't here, so it doesn't count. Why are we talking about well, it twice? Because he didn't finish the show. He I didn't. said because what happened last time was he said I liked it, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna finish it. We're gonna see. He did finish it. I'm gonna give him the floor. Um, so I did. I finished uh, the leftovers, uh, all three seasons. Um, I will break it down from season by season, and we'll go from there. Uh, season one, I talked about it. It was very dark. Uh, I think that was the part that was like overall like what was kind of keeping me uncertain about it. But it it had this kind of eerie kind of storytelling way of making me want to come back and watch each episode. Season two was nuts. It was awesome because it completely took everything that The Leftovers was building upon and said, frick that, let's do something over here. And, 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 uh, and did you remember- So could I just start with season two? No. No, don't do that. But, but did you know this, Jacob? I think I might've told you, but season one is based on the original like book. Yes, yeah, so you do told and, me that. And me season two and three are off the rails. That's Damon Lindelof. <laughs> yep. Creator of, a lot, writer, writer of a loss is like, that's when they just create their own story but using they, that as a base. The first they season. did a great job. Yeah. Using season one oh, as a base. And yeah, that's awesome. why I like, like I love, I, now I looking back on it, I love season one Yeah, because it makes so much sense. Now it makes so much more sense on everything they were doing. Um, and I'm not going to like get crazy. So season two, I felt like was a constant upward um, roller coaster yeah. in the sense of like, I was constantly getting like, you, you guys, you guys are on a roller coaster and you're like, you're looking up at the top and you know, what's coming. Yeah. You know what's coming, but you, you ha- you're still making your way up there yeah, to yeah. it. And you enjoy, like, you look off to the side and you enjoy what you see. And, um, and the, char- the fleshing out of characters uh, in that season was a true joy. Like, yeah. each character got their own time to shine, got their own time to really tell a story. Some characters got, like, a side episode in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was yeah. awesome. It was really cool yeah. because you really got to understand what made these characters, like, there was one character in particular um, that I didn't think she was really much of anything in season one, maybe like more of like a B character. Yeah. In season two, she became a character. Like yeah. she became an essential part of what, uh, what it was and everything else in between, like of what leftovers were. Um, and then you boil down into season three. And this is where I can see the argument some people would make, like which season's better, season two or season three. Um, and I, when I got into season three, I was not – ready for what they were anticipating or what they were trying to accomplish um but man i enjoyed it Uh, i would say season three that meme of like the galaxy brain like season three is the galaxy brain and all the stars around it like it just goes off the rails but at the same time it has some of my one of my favorite episodes of television of all time dude Uh, all i'll say is hotel Yes, yes, yes. That. That's one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. Like, oh my uh, gosh. Um, the, the, the crazy part about all of it was like, I wasn't ready for what they were going to build off of it. Yeah. Like, because you almost think like everything's good now, right? Yeah. And it's not. Like, <laughs> but it tells such a, it, again, the story it's telling was the, the, always the internal conflict. Because remember, the whole show is based on the idea of like, what if 2% of the world disappeared yeah. out of nowhere? Um, how would you cope with that? Yeah. Like, how, Zach, how would you cope with Travis? How would you cope with that? And yeah. what it did a good job of saying, like in season three, it was like, you think you're good. Yeah. You're really not. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're, and the final episode, um, the last 15 minutes, 
of that episode. Um, what do you think of that? I, I, <laughs> um, I don't want to ruin it. I want Travis to watch it. Um, yeah. I, I do. I, I, I can tell you like right now. Like, I'm excited for Travis, all of us to, to, to um, talk through it. But. I hope like you take some time if you get free time and watch it. Um, I got some time. We're going to watch it. We, I mean, I've, I've said my piece about the pilot. Yeah. I don't anticipate my feelings on the pilot ever changing. I think it's a terrible introduction. I can for understand that. I, I thought everything from the way they introduced the characters and the, the, the scripting and the, the scenario and the, the fighting with the people from the little clan and the, it felt, I felt like there's a guy named David S. Goyer and he's a writer. Um, he's paired up with Christopher Nolan a couple times. Mm. Um, but he's also made some of his own stuff too. And he's, he's a writer. I, I can always tell when he's involved in a project. Uh, he did, uh, he did man of steel and Batman V Superman. He was a writer yeah. on those. And they always like appeal to this like Christ imagery and like this thought of like um, just like when people yell corny stuff like we're not for the mutants, you know, just like whatever stuff like that happens in a movie. You're like, geez, I get it. Like he's like the king of that. And this pilot just had so much of that, like people yelling on the street. And it's like, I get it. Like I understand you were hitting this thing with a sledgehammer. So I understand what you're saying, which is that's just the pilot. You get to know the characters more, which there is 60 hours. of. I've watched one hour of 60 hours, right? Like there is a ton more with these characters. I get it. I'm sure that it's great and we will watch it. But uh, I walked away from that pilot thoroughly unimpressed and not interested in continuing. I exactly know what you're saying in a sense of like the people like we're not for you. But I I think knowing what I know now, like this was based off of the book and it was pretty much a point to the team. I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that that they, you know, they were figuring it out and they were trying to figure out how to start it. So we're going to pick it back up. We'll finish season one. I'll tell you right now, um, the ending of the show is a great redemption point for um, what's his name's like history of bad endings. Um, Lost. I I thought lost was a great ending. So I, I, well, (laughs) you know, I, I think everybody, me and Zach everybody. Pike might be, I guess we're the only people like that so. feel that way. I don't think it was a bad I, ending. I see I people say it was a bad ending all the time, and that ending made me cry. It makes I me just cry think like the I ending of it. this show, for me, I was sitting there and it, was like, good. it ended, and I, I, I had a lot of different emotions. Um, yeah. People, so. people are split on, on this ending, too, which I think is interesting. But, yeah. but for you, it worked, which is good. Yeah, well, I, I think I Zach, do you like the ending? Of Leftovers? Yeah. Yeah, I do. It's definitely I had to chew Better on Game of Thrones. I, yeah, it's a it's a chew on. It's, you had to really chew on you it. Had really, to chew on it. Yeah. Because um, if you get to know the character, that's the issue. The character behind the ending yeah. is what makes yeah. you sit there and chew on it. That's yeah. Uh, that's how Lost is too. I mean, but, like, um, it's all about the characters. But I think uh, I I'd been saying this recently when freaking Game of Thrones totally fumbled their like wrap up. Yeah. I think a lot of people went back to Lost and went. I was seeing tweets from that, some people, yeah. and I was like, uh, that wasn't as bad as we thought. The people that didn't like it at the <laughs> yeah. time were like, we were actually wrong about Lost or whatever. Like, Yeah, better. people kept waiting for a magic rabbit to come out of the hat with Lost and like explain a lot of things, and yeah. I didn't think that's what they were really wanting to do. They were wanting to give an emotional res- resolution, which yeah. they did great. Yeah. All right. I will watch it, but I've cool. been watching something way more crazy and more interesting in the meantime. Nice, nice. Tiger King. <laughs> I've I've watched it too. We finished it. You're a couple episodes in. Yeah, 
So I'm three episodes in. Zach Pikes watched it all the way through. And Jacob, you haven't seen this yet? I have not. I have heard it's basically meth and tigers and cousins <laughs> loving each other. Like, am I right? Yeah, I don't know what there is to say. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of the show of this moment, you know, yeah. with the quarantine going on and everybody's at home. Um, I had a coworker mention it to me uh, last week on Monday, and so I. It just well, I didn't really get it, but she was so emphatic that I should watch it. Normally, I don't do that when people recommend things, but I told her, I was like, yes, I will check it out, right? And then I just turned it on with Jess in the room the uh, that that day, and yeah. after one minute, I texted Zach Pike. I was like, dude, this has got you written all over it. This guy, this scenario, this is absolute chaos. Um, this guy is a creative force and he's with other people that are awful people, but they're also to a degree creative forces and this is madness. So, so, so the show is about this character, Joe exotic. This he's guy. not a character though. He's a person. He's a real, he, it's a documentary. Yeah, he is a real so person. Somebody described it to me to and me. I thought it was a comedy show. I thought it was scripted. Yeah. I didn't know it was real. This guy, Joe exotic. Um, he owns a private zoo. And the, the documentary is exploring Joe Exotic and other private zoo owners in the weird, violent, insane uh, drama between all of these private zoo owners. Every episode goes deeper into the hell of this. And it's <laughs> like, what is going on? It's like this an alternate is, universe and you can't believe it's happening in yeah. your universe. And uh, everybody involved, you're just like, why do they have access to animals? <laughs> what is that? What is that? How do they have a hundred tigers and they can breed them? Yeah, but uh, the whole show I think uh, is held together. The whole documentary, the 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 thread that holds it all together is Joe Exotic, who is basically um, this very wildly Trump esque, uh, wild like doesn't care what people think, like out there, outlandish. He's got the kind of guy. he's got the tiger blood, or what? What did Charlie Sheen, or, yeah, or was it, or was it, uh, was it uh, Kanye? Yeah. He's got that Kanye, Trump, Charlie Sheen yeah. blood in him where he just doesn't care. He don't he care at care. all. There's uh, shocking quotes from this man, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's also, you will laugh, you'll be shocked. And we wa we sat through, we watched, I think, the first episode and second episode back to back. And then we just binged the rest of it because it was so good and so like enthralling. And, <laughs> but very good. Very good. Good time. You will it not is. have a bad time. Guaranteed, you will not have yeah. bad time watching this. I do wonder. I don't watch enough Netflix content, and and everybody who makes a documentary is their own person, whether or not Netflix publishes it. But like, is this show actually that awesome? Like, I like it, but or or is this part of the quarantine? It yes. happened to launch right when the quarantine happened. Like, is there other stuff like this on Netflix that I've that people don't talk it about? This not, seems really high quality. Like, it's really well thing, made. Though, is like Netflix will put out stuff like this, and it's. Honestly, some like it's kind of let's be honest, it's a little janky. Like this isn't no, this is well uh, made. No, you haven't watched it. It's well made. No, I really well made. Talk to people about it. I can at least say this part. I, I think the quarantine has helped escalate. Yeah. The stupidity of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the quarantine has has made people more available to watch it. But my my main question, I guess, is, let me phrase it a little differently: is are there other like is this typical of Netflix's quality of documentary? Because I see they have tons of documentaries, but I don't watch a lot on there. I know you watch like Wild I Wild think, Country, Making a Murderer. Yeah, the best. The Aaron I think Hernandez one was crap. The no, best, that was bad. That was just, bad. just wasn't good. Most, the ones, 
that rise to the top that you see recommended by friends or memes on yeah. Facebook. That's just people generally enough people watch that. And it's like, this is very good. It's worth talking about. And they rise to the top. I think that's yeah, what you're right. This. The fact that people are talking about it, people watch this and was like, this is just very entertaining. It's extremely yeah. entertaining. It has that niche thing of like, well, who is there? This was going on in the tiger world. And yeah. Yeah. This thing has become the, this will be the, one of the defining cultural things people talk about. Yeah. 2020. That was when tiger King came tiger out and King everybody was out. talking about Joe exotic. Yeah. But what was funny, uh, 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 somebody I used to work with texted me about this. Have you seen this? I was like, yeah. And we were talking about it. And he said, I forgot. And as he said, I was like, oh my gosh, I do remember it now. Um, well, I don't want to spoil something, but uh, one of the people in, in, in the, uh, I'll just spoil this so far. Who cares? Joe Exotic actually runs for a local kind of government thing. Like, oh my in, God. In, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the show. And I remember that that actually happened and people, it was on late night shows and stuff. They talked about this guy. So he was already like, yeah, kind of a figure, like a little blip on a radar yeah. stuff. So, so uh, he mentioned that and I was like, Oh shoot, that did happen. So it's funny. He got kind of a reignition. That's hilarious. That. I, I, I didn't realize in the first episode where they start showing them on Jimmy Fallon and doc Antles on Jimmy Fallon or on these, or not Jimmy Fallon, but you know, Conan yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I was like, these guys are already kind of, you know, known. They're, yeah. They're not... They kind of already were. Yeah. So dangerous people. Yeah. Uh, so Jacob, um, do you want to talk about the one on there? Yeah, and so I'll just kind of Vice came out and they finally I I it's been it's been anticipated for a while, but I don't know if you guys know about this. There was a wrestler uh back in like the early 2000s there the 90s. Uh his name was Chris Benoit. Yeah. And a tragedy happened with him and his family. Uh it was a murder suicide. He ended up killing his uh wife and his youngest and taking his own life. Um, very, very popular wrestler, uh, one of the be all-time best wrestlers of all time, uh, considered to be a technical genius in a sense of, like, wrestling. There's a mosquito, and it's driving me nuts. I don't know why I got my house. Um, so he was great. Well, um, when that stuff happened, a, a lot, a lot of things happened, not only to the wrestling industry, um, but a big, like, spotlight on just entertainment and the pressure put on physical performers and stuff like that and how media portrays certain things. Um, Vice came out and said, hey, we're going to do a documentary about the whole situation and talk of using his son that wasn't killed. Um, his son mm. was, had, was part of this documentary and he gave his take on everything that happened. And um, it started from like, it, it was really, really good. I, I'm, I, it's on my list. I will definitely watch it. I, I know, have you, do you know about Chris Benoit, Zach? Do you know I, I'd, I'd heard about this. I knew what had happened or whatever. So Yeah, I, I, I want you to watch it. We can talk about the whole scenario a little bit more. Um, because I, I don't want to like, if you don't know the story, if I spoil a little bit of it, I don't yeah. want to do that. Um, we'll talk I, about, yeah, we'll talk about it full next podcast, but yeah, if not to cut you too. off, but I definitely want to watch it. Yeah. yeah. If you're not a wrestling fan, um, in any way, like I still recommend this because, um, Travis, I don't know if you like ever, you know about CTE, right? Cause the like NFL, yeah. this has a big spotlight on CTE. Um, yeah. a little bit too. So. I, I was going to ask that if they broached that subject. They did because the biggest point of this was this was all based on steroids. Um, that's what yeah, it Yeah, I'm not, and I don't mean to be like that guy. Um, I think CTE is a problem, and I think that it's it's important that the NFL and different leagues, I think other leagues need to take it more seriously because NFL is the only one that gets hit with it, but NHL, MMA, like they all have to deal with it. Um, 
But I always have an issue when they start to bring up the subject of the CTE is the cause of the murders. Mm-hmm. Like they've done that with OJ a little bit and they've done that with this guy because it's very offensive to the other thousands of players that play in the NFL and play in the NHL, do MMA, that never hurt anybody in their life, you know, mm-hmm. and they also have CTE. Um, so I always find when the way documentaries handle that interesting, whereas yeah. in the WWE, I, mean, I don't CTE know this guy. What is CTE for people that don't know? CTE uh, is a brain condition where okay. anytime you have blunt force trauma to the head repeatedly, um, your brain hits up against the side of your head, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, and and actually, a lot of people don't know this, but even if you like are driving a car and you slam on your brakes really hard, your brain is going seventy miles an hour. If you come to a sudden stop, your brain will hit the front of your skull. And and if you do that repeatedly, playing a sport or hitting your head or your helmet or whatever, whatever the activity is that you're doing your brain after it gets hit it loses fluid over time it starts to become a little more dry and parts of it can become kind of like dark gray and kind of like not healthy basically Mm. and so what they've started to do is is as nfl players die they've um, started to observe this activity you can't really observe it unless the person's dead and you can actually take the brain out and look at it yeah but they're finding that football players boxers nhl players have a higher level of this observable trauma. trauma on their brain and so there's also doctors working to show how this creates cognitive behavior issues it can have an earlier onset of parkinson's disease and alzheimer's it's i mean it's just not good for your brain like yeah your ability to reason your ability to handle your temple mm. your temper your ability to not get these debilitating mental diseases so all of that is genuine research and that is important and i think it's nfl they've done a lot of work trying to take the head out of the game so tackle more with your shoulders you wear your helmet for protection not so you yeah. can use it as a weapon that kind yep. of thing but in these documentaries like OJ and Aaron Hernandez, you're, you start to see a narrative develop where they say this person committed murder because their brain wasn't working properly because they had CTE. But yeah. if you actually stop and say, well, that might have been a contributing factor, but they also were involved with gangs, not OJ, but they were involved in gang activity from 18 years old. They were around people that owned weapons and also were didn't play football at all. We're shooting people in the street like they, you know, so I would be curious for this Crispin Benoit, if that's his name, like CTE may be a factor, but he also might've been an alcoholic. He might've been a drug addict. He might've had really bad influences in his life. Sounds like none of that helped. He might've been beaten when he was a kid. You know what I mean? So I just, I I always am curious how they handle CTE because I've seen a couple times where people use it as like, OJ killed his wife and Ron Perlman because he had CTE. And it's like, if you watch a documentary, you know his issues go way deeper than just yeah. that. You I don't know? think, um, from my overview standpoint, there's a lot of contributing factors to what Benoit did. Um, I, I do think Benoit was not in the right state of mind, and it sucks. It doesn't justify what he's done. It's terrible. And it was, was he a steroid wrong. user? Uh, he was. Uh, yeah, was, that's huge. Um, that makes you have dreams about killing people and but, stuff. But uh, there's, there's a lot of things that go into that. Uh, if you guys don't know this and you'll find out, Benoit uses, used a move uh, called the diving headbutt. And what it was was <laughs> he would get on the top rope and really jump off the top rope and only use his headbutt and strike his opponent with it while they're laying on the ground. Like, sounds like a coronavirus um, challenge move right there and uh because of that people have always said that well professionals have said benoit at the time when they moved his brain his brain was like a 90 year old old timers patient and yeah, he was only like sad. 30 something um that's how sad his like mental yeah. capacity was there's a lot of other contributing factors you guys should really watch that yeah, i really I really, really recommend it 
And Vice did a great job. Vice always does. I feel like does a great job when they yeah. do the documentaries, and they did this one a really good job. Yeah. Uh, speaking awesome. of Vice, speaking of Vice, real quick. Uh, Vi- so I, I'm a big fan of Vice's like show that they had on HBO. Mm-hmm. Well, they actually like canceled their season with HBO, and they got moved over to Showtime. That's about to come out. They're about to start their seventh season. Oh wow! On Showtime, and I was telling my wife because we usually we love like watching those. Like they'd come out weekly and stuff on HBO. And I was like, hey, HB, uh, Vice is about to start. And all each episode is about, sometimes about how the world is just sucking. It's like yeah, either global I, warming and stuff. And I told her that and she was like, I am not, I can't watch Vice right now. And I was yeah, cracking up. No, I was like, I was like, there's dude, no way I can watch it right now. But I'm going to watch it still and I'll let you know how it goes. I watched like the first season of that. Uh, a couple of years ago yeah. and I wasn't up to date, but I was just watching it and I watched five or six. I was like, these are really well made and I should continue to watch these, but I never watched them and didn't walk away with a feeling of like dread. This like, is terrible. Yeah. And mm. there, there is a lot of that, but there is uh, they did better in more recent seasons of balancing out with like, we're about to cure like cancer and stuff like that. They do a whole like big thing gotcha. on that. And like, we're really close to that. And like all these really cool things, technological. Is and- that on HBO Max? Uh, it's on H. I don't know what Bax is. What's Bax? Max. Oh, Max. I thought you really said Bax. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and that's how you watch it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, it actually is. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's coming out for Showtime and. Cool. Whatever. I'll get Showtime uh, Bax then. Mm-hmm. Get Bax and get HBO Bax while you're at it. Get HBO yeah, Bax. all over it uh yeah so i'll let you know how vice turns out <laughs> maybe they'll have it their season finale has to be coronavirus stuff right i mean you'd assume but it would just be this it'd be people talking from their computers at home <laughs> <laughs> it's bad out there it is um yeah uh and then i just had two things i'd watched other shows uh barry season two me and my wife uh, again with all this quarantine stuff was like let's just finish it up so we watched the first season and I liked that show and there was some like really funny and great parts. Uh, the, the show is about a hitman uh, was once in the Iraq war and all this other stuff. And now he just got wrapped up in like being a hitman. Go travels to LA to like do a hit and gets wrapped up in the acting world. And he starts becoming an actor and it's like oh, wow. part comedy, very funny part, like drama. No, that so, sounds kind of like, cool, actually. Think, think Breaking Bad mixed with, like, I don't know, just a comedy, just a regular, like, funny that sounds kind of cool, actually. Uh, but it's Bill Hader, I think is his name, uh, yeah. from SNL. He's the main character, and he wrote it, and he directed it. He did all, he's, like, all involved in this. But season one, I wasn't, like, floored by, and I was unsure about the show at first. I'd probably give that, like, a three, two and a half out of five, kind of, overall. This season two is where it, like, stepped up to, like, it loves it loved playing with like there was parts when me and my wife were like crying like keeled over laughing out loud like there is some wow. absolutely like hysterical stuff in this se- uh, season two along with that the drama part of it i think is a much better you care for these characters a lot better in season two it's a lot better of a season i think in season two but freaking really enjoying this they play with a uh, the concept of like so he's acting on stage and telling things, but at the same time he has to hide that he's a hitman, right? Mm-hmm. He can't say I've killed people and did this in the war and did certain things. So you get to see like he twists the truth and everybody's trying to find the truth and acting mixed with like the horrendous things that people do. 
Mm. Awesome. The way they play with that the whole season is very How long are the seasons? Uh, first season was like eight episodes. This one's only eight episodes or something. But cool. I do recommend that show now. And then uh, the other show I watched, the last show I'd watch was Westworld Season 3. Uh, so uh, Westworld is back. They took a two-year hiatus. And this season, much like Season 1, so Season 1 is, okay, Western and the robots. and it's very Yeah, basic. what happened with that show? Uh, I remember it being a Western. I saw the preview for this. It looked like Blade Runner. <laughs> season 2 turns into lost level can't keep up with it kind of like i loved it for that of like what's going on here and theories and crazy lost theories coming out season three aaron paul is a major character now and all of aaron paul's stuff and there's other stuff there's different characters now they're following kind of like game of thrones and there's different cast of characters it is cyberpunk 2077 wow uh, almost to a scary like comparison level on certain like characters you see and stuff that I've seen in the trailers for cyberpunk. Uh, it's awesome. It is very awesome. Like I'm already in like, maybe it's worth me catching up on this show. This is one that I've wanted to watch for a while. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think you would love this Travis, Uh, but, uh, season three is cyberpunk and, and, and it's really like the settings you're seeing in season three are crazy. It looks so futuristic, like how it's supposed to be in the show. And uh, they said there's like a little behind the scenes at the end of every episode, like how they did the episode. And it's all Singapore. It's all in Singapore. And I was like, this looks like they're living in the year 2050. Like some of the architecture and design. You know, a lot of that kind of, and it comes from Blade Runner. Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner had a lot of like Asian kind of influences to what it did with the design. And so then that extrapolated across to, to like other places when they do this type of thing yeah. um they they use that same kind of style so i'm not surprised to hear they use singapore as a base yeah by cgi one, one thing i was worried about was season two uh got crapped on because it was hard to follow i like that because it was deep it was deep television it was deep lost level of theories and mm-hmm. you have to really pay attention season three i was worried like uh we're gonna try to lessen that up no there i still at times don't know what's going on and i have to watch like recaps and stuff to really catch up on stuff so that sounds cool it's good shoot but you mentioned blade runner yeah i actually watched blade runner 2049 getting into movies um i've been waiting to watch that one for a long time it was one that i skipped in the theaters and i felt bad about that because it bombed i mean my ticket wouldn't have made a difference but um denis villeneuve he made First movie I saw by him was Prisoners, which is that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal where that guy, that. Gerard But Zach, Gotta watch Prisoners movies. is, uh, it. you'll never want to watch it again, but it, it's so tense, but it is the best, it's the best I've ever seen a movie handle kind of like a, like a, like a child being kidnapped oh, kind wow. of movie. Better it than is, Taken? Yeah. <laughs> a, a large adult child. Yes. Better than Taken. Um, uh, <laughs> That movie's fantastic, but uh, he also made Arrival. Um, he's making the new Dune. He made Sicario, but then he made Blade Runner twenty forty nine based on uh, the first Blade Runner. Um, and uh, I, I, I'll say for me, I, I would say my feelings on the movie are very positive. I like it a lot. I like it a whole lot, and I really, it's maybe my favorite production in terms of like set design. Um, just it just the way that the buildings are the the cinematography the way that the the world stitched together they do a great job 
I mean, Blade Runner is a, it takes place in 2019, November 2019, but it's kind of that futuristic style because it was made in the 80s. Um, this one takes place 30 years later, and they did a great job of marrying like that physical kind of like 80s tech with yeah. what we consider modern now. Yeah, it was awesome. Right? Like if you think about it, like Star Wars came out in the 70s, and it was like that kind of futuristic 80s kind of like equipment and like analog or aliens a better example like if you watch the first alien mm -hmm. it's got all the ships are like very tactile but then you watch prometheus which i like but it takes place before alien and everything looks all sleek and futuristic and you can't marry the two mm -hmm. this does a great job of like taking what you had in the first blade runner bringing it to what we would see as futuristic now but marrying it all together so that it still feels like the same world um it's fantastic i really like it a lot um the only really thing i didn't like was uh, the way they kind of tie up the just the actual literal like plot, I kind of felt was a little um, I don't know it felt just off to me. I don't know they kind of like they have you thinking it's one way like this the main sure. character's connection to the first Blade Runner is one way, and then later in the movie they kind of make you think oh that's not how it is okay, but then they kind of they kind of bring a character in that they showed for a minute earlier in the movie. And they say, this is actually, you know, the person that's the big deal. And I was like, okay, I could have maybe just never known who the main person yeah. would have been. Like I didn't need it to be some, one of the eight people I saw in this movie and especially not that person. She yeah. was fine. But so I just kind of felt, it felt like they were like, this is how we're going to really blow their minds yeah. at the end. And it just didn't fall for me. It was like, okay, like I buy it. I believe that that's who that is. But it just felt like in a movie where everything felt so effortless and just well-made, it felt contrived. It just felt like they had to bring the plot full circle when I thought a perfectly suitable ending would have been just having the main character realize he's not the center of this whole story. He's just a guy and he played a part and you know, it ends. I will yeah. get into the actual literal what happens. But um, so that was my only complaint really was that it felt contrived at the end. Um, Harrison Ford is Harrison Ford in it. Uh, he is the same person and everything he's in nowadays. Yeah. And I love it. He's just old and grumpy and uh, he's perfect at that. Um, and uh, I think Ryan Gosling gave a good performance as this. I don't think it's a spoiler to say he is a replicant because they pretty much tell you right out of the gate that he is. They don't mm -hmm. try to hide it. But in the world of Blade Runner, the replicants are like these androids. And so I thought he did a great job of conveying like a modern replicant that kind of has what could be kind of described as attachment or feelings, but he's not a human really. Yeah. Um, and uh, they do a really cool thing with his like girlfriend in the movie where she's like an AI that has a projection of a body, but, you know, like he can project her onto other people. There was just great like technology, yeah. you know, stuff I'm dying for. I can't wait for cyberpunk. I know they're going to mess with that kind of stuff. And yeah. that is my favorite. I love sci-fi and I love that stuff. You know, yeah. old school fantasy is cool. I'll play the Witcher. I'll watch Lord of the Rings, but I like future. That's the stuff I really get excited about. Yeah, if definitely. you're into that, Jacob, you might like Blade Runner. It's long as crap. Very long movie. Yeah, I've, I've heard You've got time. Jay, I watched it in two chunks. I watched it in two hour and a half chunks, and I, I watched half of it one day, and then like three days later, I watched the rest. So. I'm pretty sure uh, Triple H is in one of them, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's it's Dave Batista. Dave Batista, okay. Yeah, he's in Blade Runner 2049. 
Okay. Oh, Triple yeah, H is in one though. I he think. is a very he. I love when he is in a movie and it's kind of like that physical presence, like the bodyguard yeah. or the guy that's got to beat somebody. He just he does a great job. He's awesome, but I probably won't watch it. But thanks for recommending <laughs> it. Yeah. Um. And then that was good. And then the only other movie I watched this month, um, technically last month, but I wasn't here, was I watched, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, which is a John Carpenter's the guy that made Halloween, Halloween one and two. And this was his immediate movie after Halloween. Um, so it was his second movie, I think. He might have had one before Halloween, but I'm pretty sure it was his second movie. And you could tell that he, one, made some money on Halloween, and two, felt comfortable to go out there and do whatever the heck he wanted. Um, because mm. The Thing is a pretty ballsy movie. It's The whole thing takes place in, like, Alaska or, like, the South Pole and it's like 12 guys are there and they're all drinking Jack Daniels or you know drink, drinking whatever they every shot in that movie the people at the base they have a bottle of they all have their own but they have a bottle of like some type of whiskey or alcohol alcoholism is definitely a theme in the movie and just how people try to drink away their problems and live in isolation um, but basically the movie starts and there's these 12 guys living out in the South Pole and they're on a science research project and um, you know, a dog runs up into their camp and there's a crazy guy following the dog. He flies in on a helicopter and he's shooting his gun at the dog. And the people are like, what is this guy doing? And he's starting to shoot at the dog and shoot at them and they shoot him and they kill him. Um, and they go to the camp where the guy came from and it's a disaster. And the dog they put with their other dogs that they have, it's like a Siberian Husky. And um, that dog is not what it seems and it mutates and morphs um, and it wrecks their life basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, the whole movie is so good because basically there's a virus that's infecting people and you don't Timely. know, you don't know who has it, but when they have it, you know, they're acting normal, but then somehow their body will like expand open and like, it's is a there social distancing out. in this film? Yeah, there, there is social. They actually do. They social distance people they think have the virus. And there's a really great gag where they, they basically like push this guy out and he's the doctor and he's lost his mind. He's this big, oh, uh, and they lock him in a cabin and they come back like, you know, 30 minutes later in the movie to check on him. And he's sitting there and he's playing with these toys and he's hung a noose behind him but he's not hung himself yet and he's like playing with something so you okay in there doc he's like i'm fine i'm fine he's already built a noose and he's set it up to hang himself later and it's just it's really good um it's a fantastic horror movie it has the best practical effects i've ever seen in yeah I've, I've never seen this movie but the gifts i've seen of it online it's so unreal what they unreal were able to pull off. what they what they did. I, I would consider it and this is why i watched it because i'd never seen it i'd consider it essential viewing right up there with the original alien you know mm. that that type of yeah. it's just really good um it's it's just well made it's got kurt russell with a big beard and a flamethrower running around <laughs> so. Yeah, it's good. I like the thing a lot. All right. I think that about wraps up our first quarantined social first distance. Distance. I think it might not be our last, yeah, but uh, our last. podcast. But uh, I want to say thank you for watching. I want to say also we have a Twitter, DweeboYT on Twitter. You can find out when new podcasts come out, when we're doing Hangouts, which is the show where – pre-quarantine uh, yeah. i had people like travis and jacob jump in and we would talk through a game and commentate 
Uh, I've, been I've been doing those hangouts still, but just kind of talking to the chat. And I think there is a way, if you guys want to jump in, I can have you on an iPad and we could still do the hangouts. Yeah. Live. We could do that, and we could still play multiplayer online hangouts yes. too. Yes. So, uh, Destiny. like I like, like we've been we doing, could do a Halo one. We, Halo? We've been doing Halo. Uh, maybe we'll just do a strict like Halo one, and I'll figure yeah. out the camera and stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's just two ways, to, multiple ways to see us on Dweebo YT on Twitter, and then also uh, stay tuned. Maybe there's more streams. Like I said, I've been doing actually breaking tradition of only thursdays doing hangouts uh maybe you'll see more hangouts and stuff from us more stuff more content from the boys more content more content who knows what you'll see but like a, uh, like a dog like a dog maybe we'll have maybe we'll just do a show jacob's gonna do a show just about that dog's life and just hop it around you never know guys i seriously tried my hardest to keep her from no it anything. actually added to the podcast it's really <laughs> cool uh, well Thank you for watching. Uh, you know what? Last, last, we did a terrible prediction that we would be past this by now. What is our terrible prediction for next month? I'm going to say that Stadia beats out Xbox and Sony in the cells of their little. I could see that happening with the current. That's going to happen for next podcast. Mark my words. Don't give up on Stadia yet. I've given up. I, I, right. I, I was never believing. Did it come out? I didn't even know it came out. Once those new consoles get pushed back, it's going to be the only way you can play those new <laughs> Yeah, games. it's the only way. You, it really is. Wow, Stadia's going to win. They have a shot. I guess wow. they have a chance. All right, well, thank you for watching. Thank you. And talk you guys to rock. you all soon. See Peace. Ya.